Welcome everyone to We Have Issues, our weekly comic book podcast that opens the vault, feels the boom, weathers the aftershock, and marvels at every issue released this week. I'm your host, Keith, and I'm joined by my stalwart sidekick who was always at my side, a hostway. I really underestimated my stack this week. Me too. Um, for various reasons, which we'll talk about later, I spent quite a bit. <laughs> like, And I didn't buy boxes, I didn't buy bags, I didn't buy boards. Anything. Trades. Yeah, nothing, really. It's just all new comics, but I'm excited. There's some really good quality shit in here. So oh my really god, yes. But first, we're going to, of course, talk about the big thing that everybody's been talking about all week. The Batman movie has been released. Um, to widespread acclaim, a lot of positive feedback for the movie. Um, a lot of people really enjoyed it. I'm going to go ahead and give my opinion first, and then I'll let Josue, you know, kick out whatever he wants to. But... Um, in my opinion, it was a it was an enjoyable, good movie. Mm-hmm. Okay, I want to make that very clear. And it's already top three Batman movies for me. Nice. But I didn't love it like everybody else is. I had some issues with it. Um, uh, as the meme I made, made said, the Batman was too damn long. <laughs> um, it was too long. And, the, and, the, and it wasn't that like it was... The issue wasn't necessarily that it was too long. It's so much that it dragged at the end. Because right at the end, there were several really slow, emotional, just dialogue scenes. Mm-hmm. Like when Alfred wakes up. Spoilers, by the way, we're going to be spoiling <laughs> stuff. Well, um, it's, it's, it's okay. Alfred can wake up. That We can just yeah. leave it, leave it when at When Alfred wakes up and they have that conversation, everything grinds to a halt for like five minutes. And I'm like, I was like, why is it? I kept, I, in the last 20 minutes, I kept thinking, why isn't this movie over? And I kept being like, why isn't it over? Please be over. Just stop. Just stop. And then, and the the thing that sucks is the ending was very good. It just too lo- took too long to get to it. I definitely see some things that could have been trimmed. Um, that being said, performances across the board were great. I, there was, I have no complaints yeah. about anyone's performance. Um, I really like Jeffrey Wright as Commissioner Gordon. I oh, my God. A highlight for me. His um, his infliction into his detective, not even so much more Jim Gordon, but this noir detective on certain words was fantastic. My favorite part about his performance was something, I don't know if he did intentionally, but whenever he was talking to just Batman and Batman was doing his Batman voice, Gordon was kind of subtly doing his own Batman voice. He was kind of doing like <laughs> yes. a, yeah, no, like, and I was like, this is hilarious. Like, I'm sure he's not meaning to do it, but it's really funny. Um, I really like that. Zoe Kravitz. Oh my it's God. always perfect. Like, yes. like, by the way, check out the High Fidelity show uh, that was on Hulu. They got canceled oh, right. for one season. She's incredible in it. I just rewatched it again. It's so good. Um, Pattinson was fine. I think he was good, in fact. Mm-hmm. Um, probably my favorite Batman. Not my favorite Bruce Wayne. But, but he's not really Bruce Wayne yet. Yeah, that's the point. That's the, that's the, the whole yeah. point of this first one. Um, yeah. I I did enjoy it as well. I, I'm the same boat. It's like I'm not like on board with everyone else. But it's just like it's the well, next coming of age of superhero movies. Well, let me because my last big point I want to make. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you got to open up to you because I want to get this across. My favorite bad villain is Riddler. Mm-hmm. The biggest weakness of this movie was Riddler. Not because it wasn't done well, because Paul Dano is an insanely great actor. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But that character should not have been the Riddler. Yeah. And I, I, what pisses me off a little bit is 
all the people who talked about how Jesse Eisenberg sh- shouldn't have been Lex Luthor mm-hmm. are probably praising Paul Dano as the Riddler because they don't understand the Riddler. <laughs> like, and that that really bothers me because specifically he got his hands dirty quite a bit for the Riddler. Yeah, and that's not really his thing. And also, he's not really a serial killer. That's not really his thing. At least not this way. He's more of a serial killer in like a jigsaw kind of way. Mm-hmm. He doesn't kill you, kill someone and leave clues about the death. He gives you a chance to save everybody. If you solve the clues, you can save them. That's kind of how it works. So it was kind of like he was more arcade, less carnage, <laughs> I guess, if you will. You know what I mean? Like, And so that that was the one thing that bothered me is I really hated that he was the, he was the villain. The entire time I was sitting there thinking of characters that could have been like Victor Zaz. Yeah would have been incredible and that's a really cool quote technically year two bat villain or Not someone or, ridiculous you know or, I mean? a, or a new favorite or a new up and fa- coming favorite of mine uh that's just twisted like this professor pig would be a good chase i think that would have been a little too ridiculous exactly for for the first movie so give me a second one with him um, uh no second one should be about the court of owls oh just said diving diving more dive. i would love a hush one yeah um yeah. I, I just I also with the Riddler, I, I will agree because like even off the from the from the beginning, um, it's not much of a spoiler because it's just the opening sequence. That part was just too aggro for me. It's where I was just like, oh, I hope there's a bait and switch at the end where it was just like there was two uh, masterminds. There was like a partnership here because I was just like weird because of the at least like my Riddler's also on the same boat. He's all ego. Like this dude doesn't hide behind a fucking mask. Like he wants you to see like who's fucking who thought of this. Like who yeah. who outsmarted uh, anyone. So that, that was the part that got to me too. It's just like like the, the mask I thought was gonna serve a other purpose, but it's just like no. But Paul Dino was 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 fantastic. So I did He's like. Then the other problem is, I don't, have you ever seen the movie Taking Lives? Uh yes yes oh my god yes he played the same character in that movie. Yeah you're right. Like, like it's the exact same. I mean, not without the riddles, mm-hmm. but he's a serial killer. In that case, he takes their identity. And I was kind of like, okay. And I love that movie because mm-hmm. I love Ethan Hawke. He's incredible. Yes. But I was just kind of like, this is the same movie. Or it's the same dude. I mean, I'm just like, and I love Paul Dano. I really think he's a great actor. And I thought it was weird that it, they would make him so similar. But yeah. yeah. Uh, Josue fact, Ethan Hawke and I uh, share a birthday. So that's cool. <laughs> Ethan Hawke is legit one of my favorite actors. One he's of my top awesome. five. He's, He's so good. So. Uh, but yeah, I, I did like this movie um, all, all the way around. To me, it didn't. I, to me, it didn't feel like a drag for three hours. I was actually surprised it was three hours because I was just entertained by focusing on the mystery, on the chase, instead of like making this actually making a movie about plot and focusing on that and then the, the characters. Even though that was there, but the main focus was going from point A to point B to the next clue, and that's what just made it fun. It actually felt like. At least, like out of off out of so many Batman movies, this one kind of felt mostly like an actual graphic novel. So that's what kind of kept me going uh, with it. Uh, the I guess like what well, well, I guess, but the thing is, the last the final act came in too late for me too. Like the whole like zero year like uh, um, adaptation, I thought it was gonna come sooner and or be more kind of about it. But then it was just more of a setup for the next one, which is fine. It was still cool how how Batman kind of saved the day in the end. Like I, I did like that, like the whole flair scene. It was just like, again, like saving the people. It wasn't just focusing on just like the ones that he really true. The one, the, 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 his close circle, like it always almost is. Um, I, 
I have two tropes that were in this movie, especially in the second half, that I'm I, I'm done with. Yeah, with Batman, and these are the biggest stains on this movie for me. First one is, I'm sick of Batman is rich, villain is representing the poor, and all the poor in Gotham seem to ignore the fact that they're a serial killer and just join their side and be like, "Yes, let us kill people. We're right. poor, all the poor together, and fight the rich." <laughs> I fucking hate that shit. I'm sick and goddamn tired of it. It's my least favorite batman trope by a wide margin like it it shows so much condescension for the common man and it pisses me the fuck oh, off yeah it's it's a story written by a rich guy <laughs> like you can <laughs> tell like and that pisses me off secondly and i'm just gonna say it as the, the scarlet witch would say it no more jokers <laughs> <laughs> just stop okay just fucking stop i'm just gonna throw that out there so I'm sick and I'm sick and goddamn tired of it. I feel like it's gonna be kind of like in a uh, with uh, the Nolan movies where like the second one will in the end prop up the 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 Batman up again. I think I'll like the Batman more once I get the second one. I don't know, and I'm I'm leery about there being a sequel. I'm leery about there being these spinoff series because the charm of this movie is it's small mm-hmm. and it's contained. And if you have something that is good because it's small and contained, it does not need a sequel and two television spinoffs. Oh, God. The spinoffs are kind of like too much, but I, I still take another one. I mean, another one, sure. But I mean, I just I it, keep it contained. Keep it under control. Oh, my God. You know what I mean? And the, the, the other thing about people just like uh, hating on this movie is that, that it wasn't funny. This movie was fucking hilarious. It was fucking funny. Out of nowhere, you would be hit with these fantastic jokes <laughs> not even jokes but when when anyone besides the penguin okay no come on his his good sh- his good cop bad shit no, cop no, was, no, a, was I, a great no, punchline no actually that's a terrible line i, I fucking, fucking love hated it. that line that, that, that to so me good. you know how, when uh cowboy bebop came out for netflix uh-huh and the line like it is black male and you are a black male it was that bad for me yeah but she's a specific character penguin is stupid enough to just say that line it was so bad dude i fucking hated it it was, <laughs> it was the worst writing i've ever heard i was so angry it was like why hasn't this been in any in any of the other movies so it wouldn't be here but it's bad <laughs> uh <laughs> the other one was oh my god when robert panson turned down the music i thought that shit was i i was the only one that laughed and i thought <laughs> when those songs something in the way played out for a little too long in the beginning and yeah. i thought it was just like okay director's choice but then he, tur- he lowers song. it <laughs> he lowers it as he's monologuing to his journalist like oh, my man's just feeling himself <laughs> it was so fucking funny i don't get what people are saying about this um that wasn't supposed to be funny, though. That's the problem. But it like, was. The only stuff that was supposed to be funny was Penguin. And yeah. And maybe the twins. The, oh, yeah, like, yeah. But oh, yeah. Like that a did, dumb visual gag that there were two of them. Get it? It, it did do like, it twice, three times, kind of. But other than that, and Penguin just came off really goofy. I think Colin Farrell did an incredible job. But I I, I agree. No, I, w- I won't say it wasn't, it, it wasn't funny enough. Because it doesn't need to be funny. It didn't need to, but... Batman movie. But where it was... Where it was, I didn't think it was funny at all. <laughs> I mean, honestly, the humor was my least like. I wasn't looking for humor, but that's why. That's why I was like, "Oh shit!" I thought was well, like, I thought that was funny. I'm gonna fucking laugh at it because it's enjoyable. The whole yeah. thing was good, and the, just dumb little nitpicky things. I don't like to be nitpicky with mm. movies unless they earn it, like Justice League: The Snyder Cut. <laughs> um, but like little things, like. Um, a rat with wings, and them not figuring it out forever. And I'm like, <laughs> as soon as they said, I'm like, it's a bat. 
And they're like, maybe it's a falcon. Like falcon. I'm like, what are you fucking stupid? No one's ever called a falcon a bat a rat with wings. I'm like, it's a bat. That's a very common thing to say, actually. Yeah. And I was like, Batman's the world's greatest detective. And he's like, I have no idea what this could be. Is it a penguin? <laughs> Penguins have wings. Like, the the Pete Holmes <laughs> bit is, is a helicopter. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, uh, but yeah, overall, good movie. I think this is a solo Batman movie. The only ones I like more. Um, I'm a big sucker for Batman Begins. I still think no one's better than Kelly Murphy because Kelly Murphy doesn't steal the movie like yeah. Heath Ledger does. He's just a good compliment. And that's also the best Christian Bale Batman uh, performance, I think. And then um, I'm a sucker for Batman Forever. I know it's not good in any traditional way, but that cast. Yeah. Carrie, you know, like as the Riddler, it's perfect. Tommy Lee Jones. And knowing that Tommy Lee Jones hated Jim Carrey backstage is just fantastic. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Like, I just love that. So, but yeah, top three. I would say beyond beyond those two for me. It would definitely be top three for me as well. Yeah. Nice. All right. Well, we have a little bit of news before we jump into our comics, but not a ton. So I'll be quick. First of all, we do know that in the um, in the near future, we're going to be getting a second Hellfire Gala in the X-Men. And I don't think it's going to be the big presentation it was last time. <laughs> no, I don't think so. As far as like out of like for us, it will be in the world, obviously. So uh, but they have revealed in Immortal X-Men number four. Emma is going to start planning the second Hellfire Gala. Nice. So that's really, really cool. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm excited for Mortal X Men. I'm getting really hyped for it, actually. It's going to be so much drama. It's going to be so good. Yeah. It's, 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 and it kind of plays into something we'll talk about a little bit later, too. Much later. Oh, yeah. Uh, Marvel's also announced to celebrate the 40th anniversary of Miracle Man. They're going to do a new printing of the Neil Gaiman Mark Buckingham Miracle Man run. I am so excited for this. <laughs> um, I mean, it's again, it's Buckingham. Yeah, you know what you get from Mark Buckingham. True, with Neil Gaiman writing the story. Yeah, it's good shit. I've read it before. It's very good. I think it's on the Marvel Unlimited app, so I would check it out if you get a chance. So, um, next up. We're very Marvel heavy this week. There's a new Defenders book coming. Remember, I just finished the Defenders from uh, with the one yes. Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. There's a new Defenders run uh, coming from Al Ewing and Javier Rodriguez with a kind of new cast. Um, so uh, it's the same creative team as the last run, um, and it's going to be. Are you ready for this shit? It is Blue Marvel. <sighs> <laughs> I knew you'd like that. Um, America Chavez. Damn. The mother of Galactus, Taya, is coming back. The fuck? Okay. Tigra. Uh-huh. And Loki. But it's a variant Loki. Interesting. Yeah, these are all nothing but heavy hitters. Sorry, Tigra, but heavy hitters. Yeah, like, and that's really cool. And then... um. Apparently, they like the defenders are always gathered by Doctor Strange, right? Mm-hmm. But this time they're also gathered by Doctor Strange, but it's from beyond the grave, which I oh, think is amazing. So, but yeah, I'm really excited about it. Um, I think it's really cool. Um, I like the art already. I'll, I'll shoot you the link real quick so you can check it out. Um, because it's gonna be Clea assembling a new team. That's what that's why they're heavy hitters. I know. I was like, kind of it's like, I'm not dealing with no scrubs, like, I need my <laughs> I need heavy hitters, but yeah, so um. 
that's the characters. Uh, the Loki is, if you've read uh, Loki, Agent of Asgard, you mm-hmm. might be familiar with that variant. So, oh yeah, totally. So yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be dope. So yeah. And then the last thing is the only non-Marvel news I have this week. Uh, a publisher called Z2 Comics. And um, they have announced that uh, Emily Hampshire, who is the one of the stars of Shit's Creek, she played um, she played uh, Stevie, mm-hmm. uh, David's best friend, and one of the loves of my life. She's so beautiful. Anyways, um, she is going to be creating her own first graphic novel, oh, and no. she's going to be co-writing with Elliot Rahal, and okay. it, it's called Amelia Airwood Basic Witch, and uh, oh. I, I think this looks right up our alley and i'll really yeah this looks right up our alley with the art and stuff i think this looks pretty cool so uh like our little how we tend to like ya books you know what i mean yeah so i think it looks really cool i'm not super familiar with the publisher but that just gives me a chance to be familiar with them but i really like elliot rahal so yeah exactly that's what i was gonna say we i know we're elliot rahal fans so um but that's really cool. I like how we're getting some of these um, these creators doing uh, like like these like celebrities teaming with actual comic book creators to mm-hmm. make their first comic, and then it makes it like a little bit more interesting, and they can help them like work out like you know the things. I think the big one that jumps out of me is Sarah Beatty. You know, oh yeah, she's pretty much partnered with Tim Seeley no matter what she does at this point. <laughs> uh, so that's really cool. I, I dig it. Yeah. Oh my god, it just gives me like just like a 21st century Kiki vibes. I could see that. Yeah, yeah, totally, actually. But yeah, looks really cool. I like the art a lot. I think I think it's yeah, gonna be really it. dope. So um yeah, that's all I got for news. Um, except for uh, just briefly mentioned DC is shuffling their movies around. I don't I don't want to talk too much about it because I think they're I don't think they're done. I oh, think okay. they're shuffle two more. Because it seems odd. I do I I after after the whole shuffle, at first I was like, because like I did I did really like their the twenty twenty two is DC movie trailer, but then now two of the fifty percent of that, those four movies are just not in this year. But now I do like that Shazam two is after uh, the Black Adam movie. It's just more fitting that way. Yeah, and it I I don't want to say this and be negative, but it shows a lot about DC that you can kind of shuffle your movies around and it doesn't matter what order they come out in, right? <laughs> How long have they been done? Like, you know, like Marvel, you couldn't do that. <laughs> like, that's not mm-hmm. how it works. You know what I mean? True. So it's kind of interesting. But, um, but yeah, we'll see where that where that all lands. I did think it was very funny. I saw a tweet that aged horribly. I don't know if you saw this online. It was 2022, the year that Michael Keaton, Ben Affleck, uh, oh, yeah. Robert Pattinson, and um, someone else, I can't remember, all play Batman in a live action movie. And it's like, mm, not really. <laughs> just one of those actually. Like, so I, thought, I thought it was pretty great. So, all right. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and move on and start talking about our books. If you are ready, sir. Yes. All right. Well, as always on this show, we start not with a bang, but a boom. And what a hell of a boom it is this week. Seven secrets. Number 15. My God. Written by Tom Taylor, illustrated by Daniel Danuculo, Letter by Ed Dukeshire with coloring by Walter Bayamonte and Katia Ranali. Okay, well, let's not mix mix words here. A lot happens in this book, but two major things happen. Uh, well, three major things. Let's start at the beginning. First thing. <laughs> we get the revelation of a secret. 
which we were talking about in the last issue. We saw a big demonic figure. We're like, that's the secret. The big oh, bad. God, he's going to have to fight it. And we it's revealed, and it's a baby. It's a baby. <laughs> it has to grow. <laughs> it's pretty cute. It's adorable. <laughs> but uh, so that's the first one, and we'll tie we'll tie that back in a bit. The second one is <sighs> someone died, and it it um it broke me in a sway. I'll just I'll just quote Casper: Titus saved us all, dude. Uh, this pose when he yes. catches that sigh, I was like, oh, yes. The line, the line, you've killed enough of my friends. I'm like, my fucking boy. <laughs> Just and, what an arc. What an arc. You and know then what that I mean? bitch shoots him. Yep. I hate it. Oh my god. This is, this is not, this is, this is the perfect, and this is not the perfect book to start my week out to read my comics. <laughs> I think that's why it slowed me the fuck down. So I didn't get to read enough of mine. Cause it was just like, this one was just brutal. <laughs> that's why he literally texted me while I was at the comic book store to be like, have you read seven secrets? Yet? I'm like, I haven't even bought it yet. And he's like, read it first. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so yeah. And it's just like, that broke me. Like, and so the rest of the issue was kind of a blur. So I had to read it twice. basically. <laughs> oh, and this, this, yeah. Oh, <laughs> like I, I'm a holder. That, that was because uh, it was like there. I mean, comics come and go, characters come and go, and uh, like yeah. there's, there's some deaths that you kind of see coming. This one I didn't really see coming this fast. So when you have the moment of like your goodbyes, and it's just like oh, and they start throwing all the cheese on top of it. Oh, bro, <laughs> I I had to close the book for a, a a good five minutes because I was just like this is this is a beautiful moment. Like, and he was, he was says thank you about it all. Like he was such a, a little dickhead, but he was a, the, the bully to come all this way. 15 issues later. Fuck me. It was so good. Yeah. And, um, we find out that when the bad guys go to fairy, they can try to hyper age the, the demon, which is what's happening with next. Um, mm-hmm. And then the final big re- revelation, which again, cast me by a little bit because I was still thinking about Titus. Because we got the revelation that Caspar is, in fact, the seventh secret. The secret, yeah. So, I think this ties back to his dad. Oh, man. <laughs> because of, remember the revelation that the dad wasn't dead? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. mom took over his leader? Uh-huh. I think that's, that's gonna, what's going to tie back to. Totally forgot about the guy. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Yeah. So, we'll see. But ah, oh, what an issue! Ups and downs. What a roller coaster. What do you think, dude? I um, mean, like you know exactly what I think. I was. <laughs> it, it was a it was a fantastic issue, and like all the good bits aside, I mean, like again, the the great starting with the good, fantastic part of like his pose, like for this character to be such a cool character, it's such, such a badass character. It's like the when he how he catches that sigh and that pose, just so dope. Um, but then like all, all the good bits after that, like going back to fairy is like shit. Like yeah, the, the story is still not stopping. Like just because this really like like bad moment happened the bad the baggers are still fucking running forward and like oh it's it's getting really good yeah it's it's so good all right next up we're gonna go over to oni press very briefly and i'm gonna talk about rick and morty there's a new rick and morty book out called rick and morty infinity hour nice and so it's like zero hour Infinity Crusade. It's like the big crossover, basically. Written by Magdalene Visaggio, 
Art by Mark Ellerby, colors by Leonardo Ito, and letter by Crank. Glad to see Mags making more books. I miss Mags. Uh, you guys probably know her as the creator of uh, Vagrant Queen. So yeah. Um, so this book is an origin story. Oh, and it's basically there's there's a big fight in space, and it's the the Republic against the Rebellion, mm-hmm. and one of these dudes gets away with the the doomsday weapon plans. Read the Death Star. <laughs> yeah. And they meet a young Rick who is inventing useless things that no one likes and he's making no money. He's still with his wife. So this is the most we've ever really seen of his wife. And little baby Beth. This dude asks him for a ride and Rick basically gets pulled into this big epic crossover. Um, which includes him meeting Bird Person for the first time. Uh, which is huh, sick. different lore than I think of the show, so it might be it's a different universe. That's fine. I'm fine with that. And he decides to go with them and fight in space. And so that's pretty much it. It's a good setup. Um, it seems to be those three are going to be main characters, Bird Person, um, Rick, and the, the little short alien dude. And I, I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Um, and I think it's going to be less heady than some of the other Rick and Mortys we've gotten lately that have been kind of difficult not difficult to read but like really intense and yeah. really like meta to a degree that i'm like okay wait what <laughs> like <laughs> i have to be like is this real i don't know like this one seems like it's gonna be a lot of fun i think it's really cool and i like how the idea of young rick it is just rick it's not rick and morty you know what i mean like that's a baby so i'm curious to see where it goes pretty cool stuff so all the all the good all the stupid bullshit aside from the that szechuan episode i did love that uh, uh, origin story when he's just like that's right I used to wear blue pants except <laughs> for his origin story <laughs> <laughs> yes exactly alright next up we are going to switch over to Norse mythology or excuse me Dark Horse comics with <laughs> Norse mythology uh, Norse mythology number two uh, so yes I got the Dave and Matt cover mm-hmm. of course I did and Story words by Neil Gaiman. Script and layouts by P. Craig Russell. Letter by Galen Showman. Uh, art for the first story is David Rubin and Zulia Passon. And uh, second story is Colleen Duran. So the first one is the one from the previous issue with the giant who has the um, the big cauldron that they're trying to get so that they can make another giant actually cook them food. They're able to outsmart him. It was pretty much done. It wrapped it up. So the second one is one of my favorite stories in Norse mythology. And I say that a lot. Uh, the death of Balder. Uh, uh, so it's the whole story of Balder, and here they make him very, very pretty. You can see. Oh my gosh, very. <laughs> so um, it tells the whole story how Balder is beloved by all, and the gods don't want him to die. And so um, Odin finds out that if he can get everything to agree to not hurt Balder, Balder won't be killed. And so. Uh, his wife goes around, asks everything not to hurt him, but she neglects to ask, ask Mistletoe because Mistletoe is so tiny it couldn't possibly hurt anybody. Loki finds out about it and starts a scheming. Uh, I, I like the way it looks because they're like literally like showing how it works. So like she throws a rock at him and just goes around his head. <laughs> and then there's like this shot of everybody just throwing everything they have at him. Nice. Which is fantastic. My personal favorite is when this dude picks up a rock and just breaks it over Baldur's head. Amazing. And that's pretty funny. Yeah. So. But yeah, Loki's like, I will figure out what to do here. Ha ha ha. And that's where it ends. It's not, it doesn't actually show the death yet. So 
Uh, but pretty cool. Uh, Josue, tell me about Daisy number four. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> God damn it. This is a like, pun intended. Fuck it. Add a revelation uh, reading Daisy. It's, 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 how, it's how good it is. Daisy, story and art by Colin Lorimer. Uh, color is by Joana La Fuente. And lettering by Jim Campbell. So after the giant mass, yeah, I guess in the end of the massacre, uh, when Daisy just liberated all the all the undead animals around, just like let them like unleash town so they can kind of hurt, so that she and the kids can make their getaway. And at the end, she kind of had like again another, or she had her own like revelation. Like we'll get to Daisy in a second, but the mom that was like kind of looking for her son did find her son. She kind of stayed behind. Or I mean, she was on the she was on that got left behind. She goes and, and then she has come into town and witnesses everything. Even sees like the the, the crooked cop, like just like being just mauled by all the animals. Like, but again, like the animals have also just just dropped dead again. And she goes back to the house and finds the the dad the the daddy of the house of the the, the angel that's kind of been corrupting the uh, Daisy and everybody. He's been slowly regenerating. And he lets us lets us in on who Daisy really is. Again, this is a penultimate issue, but a lot gets revealed here. He lets us in that Daisy gets sent when she was unshackled, because again, she reveals herself. And when, as she became unshackled and got sent over, she basically crossed over into heaven. Like she's no longer here. What happened? Like she's like her body is just like in in super dope armor. Her face is like like just unscarred, and she's like in this sanctuary. She ascended. She's cured and she's sanctified. And this is like really good shot of this like pond with like this beautiful fucking tree, and is hitting these buttons like like this red alert buttons. It's like okay, not everything's about that. Let's just let's just finish this issue, and it's just like, and Daisy's kind of put into a test. Uh, she sees like this like this kind of hill is a kind of pyramid and on top of it, it it's just perfectly illustrated as a cross, but it says she gets close, closer to it. It's a, it's a sword. And her final test is to, in order to kind of basically to truly ascend, she has to kind of like do one last sacrifice. And before her are all of the children that were there uh, that, that, that were kind of, they do represent like who she was kind of taking care of. And she has to strike them down. Uh, or else it's, she has to strike him down in order for her to ascend. It's like the last sacrifice, and it's just like okay, this is at this point it's safe to say this is very much a little bit too much like berserk. But now that it's copying it, but it's just like I'm gonna get to something here. But it's like this page to get to here, you can't even see it's so fucking red. But yeah. it's just like all the kids like like right beforehand, um, she's she witnesses everybody just like morphed into these like apostle looking demons and instead of attacking her they're just like no you have to do this like strike us down so even like we're just like cured and rid of like just this curse and at this point if you don't do it the curse will then be it'll succumb to you and that's why you end up this way but she has such a profound love for them that she just couldn't pick up the sword and that's why she kind of ends up this way what daddy reveals after this coming back now to the room, he's able to walk a little bit now stumbling forward and she has a shotgun on him, but she just also wants to hear what's, what he has to say. Daisy, why she never kind of went all cannibalistic all into like a, the Nephilim 
of being is because she was never one. Daisy is a, a far out uh, descendant of the creator. Oh my God. And that part. Everything about this book is amazing. <laughs> Just forgot about the whole detail. Our God isn't even God. Okay. It is a, a God, but it's a God. <sighs> Apparently, it was like an ultimate creator. There has been an ultimate creator. And because shit got too big for him after the Big Bang, he had this kind of inner circle of other gods. And they got basically got uh, got uh, got put into a job to kind of like uh, make the universe fertile. And their job was to just like focus on animals and plants. But this one god got a little too uh, creative and wanted to make... Uh, beings into his flesh and image and bones and then got a little too uh jealous and that's why he kind of put us all in this wall daisy is a descendant of that god of i guess our quote-unquote god and this angel wants to use her as a conduit so he can go back into heaven and just basically fuck up all that but what i'm trying to get to berserk is that even though berserk ended I think Berserk is meant to continue in other stories because this part with Daisy, it, it just, it's, it's, it's everything about Griffith where like there's this one line, the part where she confronts like all the distorted babies reminding Daisy that there can never be any forgiveness for those who transgress against the creator. And if you read Berserk, if you just think about that for a second and also pick up Daisy, so you can get this amazing visual. We were, Griffith was being written into something else. And again, like what he did was gross and unforgivable, but what he did with Fantasia was also something really fucking cool. Maybe we're never meant to forgive Griffith in the end, but he was still going to try and do something else with it uh, to go forward with that world. I, it's, I swear there was something else in here about this. And I just, I really love that. I had that little epiphany of revelation, but God damn it. There's one that she left with Daisy and that was all. I forgot about the whole detail. And I'm glad I came back to that about the whole God and God thing. Cause Oh my God, Daisy's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, it, do you know how many issues are left? One. It's out of five. One. Okay. Nice. All right. We'll check in with the last issue. So. Next up, another penultimate issue, Last Flight Out number five. Um, so this is the one about the world ending and this guy building these arc ships to take people out. He flies to Chicago to pick up his daughter because uh, he doesn't want to leave her behind and shit goes down. In the last issue, we saw this ultimate awesome moment in the last page where he's betrayed by the soldiers that are supposed to protect him who basically are... A, sick of him, and one of them, he saw them commit what basically is a war crime, and he decides, well, I don't need to take you back because you're just going to wrap me out. So they leave him behind. Uh, he decides to make a run for it uh, to, to Canada. So we'll get to that in a sec. But first of all, creative team. Written and co-created by Mark Guggenheim. Drawn and co-created by Edward Federigato. Uh, colors by Natalia Marquez. And lettered and designed by Diego Sanchez. So basically, he takes his his uh, daughter and his ex partner and her boyfriend, same person, um, and they're going to go to Canada because he's like, well, I had like a prototype ship in Canada, and it can't break atmosphere, but it can definitely get us around the world to that arc quick, quick enough that we can get to it before it takes off. So that's his plan. They drive up the Canadian border and they're arrested at the border, and we find out that a lot of people are trying to get into Canada right now. 
And what's revealed is that Canada has been working on a ship of their own. And we get a really cool reveal here. I love this shot. Just the scale of it. Oh, that is a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's basically, yeah, you know, they're going, they're going to have to go with the Canadian group basically instead. So, um, really cool. I'm really enjoying it. It's a penultimate issue. So I'm going to save my final judgments for the last issue, but I've really enjoyed the book so far. And I really am excited because I think we're going to have a cool shock in the last issue. I just have a feeling. So, um, so that is it for Dark Horse Comics. So, Sway, mm. I'm going to kick it to you for AWA Studios and Primos. Yes. That one I had it separate. Oh, there it is. Cool. So, <laughs> there it is. Because I got two of them. Because it's only, it's only going to be a four issue mini. I hope there's sequels. Um, and I got two issues of this because there's a Spanish version, which is actually the version I read. Mm-hmm. So, Primos. Y con introducciones de Historia de Al Madrigal y Felipe Flores, escritor Ladrigal Madrigal, Al Madrigal, artista Carlos Barberi, colorista Bri, uh, Bri, Brian uh, River y letrista uh, uh, and World Designed. And that was writer, artist, and colors letters by Al Madrigal, Carlos Bar- uh, Barberi, and Brian River and, and World Design, respectively. So this story is really cool. Because uh, it's about the wait, wait, yeah, Madrigal the comedian. Oh my god, is it? Because <laughs> is it one of the? Because it, it, it's he's the one from da- the Daily Show. Oh wait, yeah, because it, it. I mean, yeah, story by Al and Felipe Flores, and then but written by Al. So, oh shit, is it really? It probably is. <laughs> That's amazing. It does have like good like, like punchlines. It is entertain. It is entertaining when it's funny, um, especially this one. So in this case, uh, we're forming the team, the primos, and we're, fi- we're we're finding out who the other cousins are. In this case, where we are, it's um, back right before the Mayans really disappeared. What had happened was that aliens invaded. Only aliens that um, are this, like this brain trust of other. Plan, uh, other planets representation of their Mayan, uh, uh, yeah, I guess just representatives. So they were going to be uh, introduced to like the, the great collective. And then when they came back, it was these two brothers that went out. And then one brother was kind of like the, the jealous, like not like the vil- the villain brother basically. And he didn't put, doesn't put the coordinates back. Right. And they come back to 2022 when they've been gone. So that's kind of like what did happen. So now, it's basically those uh, ancient Mayan brothers. It's brother versus brother. Obviously, like the evil one is kind of going to make his crew, and he's into uh, necromancy, so he can ra- he can raise a lot of like. There's been a lot of dead, so he he has that army. Meanwhile, the good brother is forming his uh, uh, a group a group of uh, I guess like their of, of his uh, ascendants, uh, and which is uh, where we get the the primos the primos come in. We had the. The main character, the boy in the uh, in the first issue, and like the whole mission is to go also find his his brother that got kidnapped by the other Mayan uh, evil evil brother. And in this issue, we get introduced by the the cool uh, tall the the the, the, the cool uh, the cousin, and he's like this like super dope uh, uh, spy. He wears like this uh, cool sugar skull mask when he's going to this party. He's he's just like a, a fucking badass, and. Um, and he and he tells him like the whole story of like basically what I just 
like recapping the the story and he's like yeah no i believe you have he's had his own uh, set of dreams but he never really knew to believe them he just thought he had he had these dope mexican ancestor dreams but it's really just him was him tapping into his past and um in the end we get left off with the, the cliffhanger is meeting the the third primo in this case the prima and man she's gonna be a fucking badass oh she's gonna be so fucking cool so well she there, there, she, she basically uh uh kicks a bunch of these like races ass uh dudes asses so it's really fucking dope that's awesome too yeah i looked it up it is the in fact the the comedian that is fucking awesome then <laughs> yeah right like that's awesome so um cool all right well closing out uh our indies we're gonna go to our two biggest and uh most prolific indies that we usually work with first of all vault comics we got a couple books this week let's start with human remains number six i got this cover oh wow i didn't even see that one yeah, I thought it was pretty dope looking. So I mean, fitting, I mean, obviously, reading the story, that's like that's a really good cover. Yeah, definitely. So um, obviously, both of the, the creative team: Peter Milligan, writing, art by Sally Cantarino, color by Dear Kelly, letter by Ann World. Um, humans trying their best to just to understand these creatures more and more, and uh, I really, I love how we talked about it before. How when this book started. It was a gigantic cast. And then people just started dying. Mm-hmm. And really, it's down to... There are obviously more than two characters, but really, it's a two-character story at this point. Yeah. Um, where it's uh, Dr. Anjali and the general. Yes, there's the couple, and there's Anjali's, like... Uh, was it, like, cousin or whatever? Mm-hmm. But really, it comes down to the two of them. And it's the two of them trying their best to understand the the other creatures in their own ways. And I love that they're going concurrently with each other but in completely different directions um i i was like well hostway's gonna love what dr anjali is doing <laughs> yeah she basically flew up to where you lived <laughs> and took a bunch of magic mushrooms <laughs> and like yeah no basically they're using drugs to like maintain their their emotions which i thought was really cool um and they can actually command them while on it and i think that's an interesting thing and what does that mean you know is it blocking certain like brain waves or something? You know, we right. have to see. Um, and then also, um, like I said, the general is dealing with his own problems because he basically nearly beat a man to death in the last issue. And he kind of has to clean it up and I won't get into too much detail about <laughs> what that means, but I think this is really cool. Um, yeah, really interesting. What do what do you think? Uh, I really I, I enjoyed this issue a lot, especially because yeah, it, there is like that duality of a story here of like both trying to figure it out in their own way. I mean, obviously, something's working for the general too, uh, but yeah, then like the second the second half gets really good for my for me uh, coming to the <laughs> PNW, and then for a second, I was just getting uh, this character. I was getting yeah. vibes from um, uh, was it we no we walk with monsters the other vault book with yeah. uh, um. Uh, Katerino's book. I, I thought it was her for a second, but like a little crossover. But then, like obviously, I, I it wasn't. walk with monsters. I walk with monsters. Yes. Um. But yeah, it, 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 I'm curious how and Jenna's gonna like figure it out after this because like it was a good cliffhanger and how maybe she can kind of piece it together and why maybe these mushrooms are kind of working. Yeah, 
or are they? Or is it something else entirely? Because I mean, you know, like I, I just think that's really cool. And I think it would be very human of us to be like, well, every time I take mushrooms, it works. And it's just like, well, yeah, <laughs> but you dip the mushrooms in, you know, something else, and that's what actually does it. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, it's a very like human thing to do, make an assumption like that. So I like that. Thanks. All right, next up, uh, Lunar Room number three. <laughs> I love this book. Um, so I got this cover. Oh, nice. Yeah, I just liked it. I like the look of it. So, Written by Danny Lore, drawn by Gio Spasito, colored by DJ Chavez, and lettered by Nathan Kampf. Um, I love how we're learning more about the city, and I'll, I'll, I'll be fully transparent. Um, this last weekend we watched uh, West Side Story, so <laughs> this basically opens up. This, this basically opens up with a fight between two groups of street toughs, and I was like, "Are they gonna sing?" <laughs> like, like, once you're a jet, you're a jet. You know, I'm like, no. Okay, so um, I just realized both of these covers kind of go kind of hand in hand. It's, then it's a brother kind of saving the fall. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty dope, dude. But yeah, we get to see more and. I mean, the important thing is we get to see Sin because Sin is just the best. Yeah. Like, I fucking love Sin so very much already. And just kind of like the everyday, like, happenings of this. Um, I also absolutely love how Sin fights sometimes. Like this right here. The dropkick? Fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, the dropkick was so sick looking. Um, <laughs> just fucking throw yourself at him. <laughs> like, I dug that. And uh, I think the, I think the um, real like highlight of this issue was someone bored in someone else's apartment deciding <laughs> to snoop around, which is always a lot of fun story to tell. And we get to see some really, really great stuff, you know, like Zach is funny. I really like Zach. So, um, but I like the, the shot in the mirror, like, yeah, girl, I'm an intimidating <laughs> werewolf lady. <laughs> like, <laughs> Um, but him just snooping where he shouldn't. Um, and I, we actually get some really cool werewolf action in the end, which is really dope. Um, it's kind of one of the things I've been waiting on. And we get to see, we get to meet. And I, I, as soon as I saw this, my first thought was, that's certainly a name. And then I was like, oh, so he's going to love that guy, isn't he? And his name is Bark Boy. <laughs> D-O-I. And I was like, yep, yep. That's going to be one of his new favorite characters. And yep, they howl, and that's where it leaves off. Um, I thought it was a pretty good issue, but it definitely definitely focuses on our mage a bit, you know. Yeah, and I re- I really dug that. So, but lots of sin, lots lots of you know the whole cast. We get a little check in with everybody. What'd you think? Yeah, no, it was a little bit a little bit of everybody, and then for sure, Bark Boy being like this like really dope werewolf, and then just being this adorable little guy. <laughs> His name is just Bark Boy, and he's just Bark Boy. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but no, uh, Zach is great. Like Zach was just like wearing on me a little bit because they were just fucking Zach. But then just being the whole snooping around the apartment, just like okay, I can get I can get behind them, and then just because everything, yeah, like girl, I'm a big intimidated werewolf, but I also like to pout. It's just like yeah, it's, it's so good. Or like when he finds the tablet, it's like oh, finally. But then like nope. <laughs> yeah, I really, I'm, I'm really digging it, and yeah, I. I think the whole cast is really good. No, really it's a, it's a, house building. It's yeah. a well-built built, built book right now for three issues. And I like that it, we're starting to feel like it's the whole city. You know what I mean? Like we're yeah. in a whole city story, which which I love. So, all right. Now we're going to switch over to Image. And 
we got a very light image book this week, uh, image group this week. So uh, before we start, Josue does have some other books. He was very busy and did not have time to review them. Uh, so he will be posting his reviews of The Good Asian and Ant, what was the other? Ant online. Uh, so, uh, but we will talk about the books we did get. And we all, we got all three of these each. So I'm very yeah. excited about that. The first one is uh, number one, Little Monsters, number one, written by Jeff Lemire, drawn by Dustin Nguyen, lettered by Steve Wands. I, I really liked this. <laughs> and um, I'm not saying this as an aesthetic comparison, so much as a just a feeling I get from the book. Um, what's the furthest place from here? Because we're just thrown deep into a mysterious world with a bunch of kids that we're rapid fire introduced to. And I really thought that was a really cool way to do it. I was kind of like, oh, I know. Like, each of them are really interesting. I like how each of them are in different places when you're introduced to them. Like, even Lucas, when, when Yui walks up on him. Yeah. It's still a shot of him alone first. You know what I mean? Each person gets... It's almost like they're saying, this is the background you should imagine when you think of this character. So, like, she's with a bunch of books, and he's, you know, sitting on a highway overpass playing music. Like, everybody has their own little thing. You got the little boys, Ronnie and Raymond, you know? Mm-hmm. I really, really thoroughly like this. And I love the pace at which the tension grows in this book. That's my favorite thing about it. So it's just like, hey, it's a bunch of kids. And slowly things start seeming strange. Like when we're introduced to uh, Ronnie and Raymond. Yeah. Where one of them jumps off a roof and falls a long fucking way. And it's just like, oh, it's going to take me all day to heal. I'm like, what? Like, what's happening here? And then we start seeing things with like Yui and her being like, you know, um, with the books, she's talking about how, like, um, I used to keep track of how many books I had, but not anymore. It's weird what stuff we remember, you know, and things we don't. And they keep talking about how, like, I've given up on figure or caring about that a long time ago. And it's like, but they're kids. And then it just slowly grows. And then it's mealtime. Yeah, then it's mealtime. Yes. And it's just, so interesting and of course you also are like hey where are the parents where are the where are the adults in this case and then we get introduced to an adult <laughs> and yes and i really liked how this built that's what i will say yeah i really enjoyed what wh- how this built i'm hooked i'm he- i'm in it i'm i'm gonna be subbing this is a great a great book i already really like the idea um what did you think uh, I, I for sure like like the build the the building to this because I wasn't sure what to expect or what we're gonna get into just little monsters but again like we're getting to this like you're you're going through the page and it's like oh like the the tone is just like there and it's like where are we going with this so to get that reveal at the end it's like oh I'm a fucking idiot that's also really clever and really good too <laughs> um, also just like the whole time I me think a whole different uh, type of monster um, project but did you ever see uh, uh, Lupita Nyong'o's Little Monsters movie, the 2019 Little Monsters movie. It was, it was a zombie movie when she yeah. plays like a like a kindergarten or first grade teacher, 
and then a zombie apocalypse happens, so she has to like lure her class like to safety. It's actually it's one of those like dark humor ones, but it was it's really good. And I, uh, I remember it. I remember, it, but I never I never actually watched it. I enjoyed it. it. Should still be on Hulu, hopefully. But this comic is very good. Also, just like credit to Dustin for just like oh god, I, I love his pages because it's exactly Dustin Nguyen. But again, I guess also uh, also credit to colorists. Um, in this case, I think yeah. Dustin, these are actual full-on Dustin pages. Well, I, I, but those those must have those must have been too. What I'm trying to say is that he can just like morph a page while still keeping it to himself. That Robin and Batman book that just came out, yeah. the way he made those pages look, just like a little more, just like not gritty, but a little more sketchy. Like it's like it was, it was really fucking well done. And it's not this book. It's like these books just this book just has like these like these finer lines, and it's like I just really like the way it looks. Uh, so yeah, I just. It, I'm I'm subbing this book too. Yeah, uh, I was also wondering if it was a um, an adaptation of the video game. Oh, because there's a Little Monsters video game. Actually, the second part just came out recently, so that's what I was thinking of when I saw the idea and the name Little Monsters. So, mm. but yeah, awesome. Next up, New Masters number two, written by Shobo, drawn by Shof, Shobo and Shof Coker. Um, I really like the aesthetic of this one so much. Um, and uh, I like the world they're building. And I actually, before before we started recording, I asked Josue, I'm like, did you get this? He's like, yeah, no, I thought you didn't get the first issue. I realized I was thinking of another book. Oh, okay. I was thinking of the one with um, with the... Uh, 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 the one, it's another African story. It's, it's the, um, the one where she's... Um, my mind went blank. Where you're, you're pale, you have no skin, and your skin color. Albino. Albino. Thank you. There's like an albino girl in an adventure with her little robot, or with her no, with her little seedling friend. I was confusing the two because I remember you didn't get that one. So oh, okay, yeah. So this one, okay. So we did kind of get uh, quite a bit of like expansion on this world, and whereas the first issue really leaned very heavily into who we believe is going to be the main character. Mm-hmm. Which this one still does, um, but it doesn't do it as much. Um, so uh, we actually get to see a lot more with uh, with I guess ostensibly her parents is what you would say, mm-hmm. and what's going on with them, uh, the kind of thing they're involved in. We get to see a lot of more of the um, difference in um, like financial status of people and like. Yeah, I just thought it was really cool. I also really liked the glimpse of um, the shrine, the club they go to. Right. I thought that was really dope. And uh, yeah, we get to meet some new characters that get brought in. And I already really dig this a lot. And I love the idea of this being like a heist kind of story, sometimes a bit of it. Mm-hmm. But it's so much bigger than just one thing. Like they're really building a world. In yes. And I really enjoy that. So, and, uh, Credit to them, just some of the best info pages in comics oh. right now. I love these in the back; they're just amazing. So, but yeah, um, what do you think? Uh, that's exactly what I loved about this issue that it took a second to build the world instead of it's like I'm not sure this this will be end up being a mini or not. Um, but a lot of issues tend to go from one to two to three to four, and like we need to tell the story to get to that ending. And here it's just like it was just like well let's let's actually just take a second where we actually live and like 
figure out how they kind of almost do their, their day-to-day or what they think about their day-to-day. And that way we can kind of start interpreting like our own setting or our own sense of belonging in this setting. And so, yeah, it's like going from like st- staying with the parents for a second, then like going to like the, the adventure with her walk around the city, going to the club. It was just like, not what I was expecting for a second issue, but it was just kind of almost like what I needed to kind of be more immersed in the story. And then exa- and then I getting to again from point from one to two to three to four it's exactly where the cliffhanger was like the whole like the the fire starting it's like oh that's where the comic uh, like aspect is we're coming back to it now now i'm actually just more familiar with these cats so it's fucking cool yeah i'm really really liking it and uh this this guy that's making the book um he is actually the one doing buckhead for boom too okay so it's really really good so yeah, nice. Uh, last image book for the week, Radiant Red number one. Um, I will say right off the bat, I really like this. I'm really glad it's a mini because I was like, how much money am I going to be putting into the supermassive universe? And I was kind of like, oh god. And you're muted, by the way. And so yeah, I was just like, I don't, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know if I can con- commit to like four books. I know. So when I saw one of five, I was like, oh, good. But I love reading Red and uh, run through the creative team, written by Cherish Chin, uh, artist David Lafuente, colored by Mikael Muerto, and letter by Diego Sanchez. I really, really liked this book. Yeah, I'm very intrigued by Radiant Red. She's probably my favorite character in the in the Supermassive universe. Definitely, uh, yeah. Out of the group, it's, it's funny how like she's like the one with the chip on her shoulder, and it's like I see that the one with, like pretty interesting story. I'm like, it's just definitely more to her. Yeah, and I think the art was really cool for this. I think it's a really good one for her, mm-hmm. you know, side story, and I really enjoyed it. Um, and just kind of diving into who she is and why she is who she is. And I think that was very interesting. And when we do eventually have a team up again, we're going to have a different opinion of her than we did last time they teamed up. You know, yeah. we're going to know her more intimately, which I think is very important. Um, but yeah, I, I really thoroughly enjoy her. I like how clever she is too. When like people are like when she's getting um, uh, when the, the reporters talking to her, Mm-hmm. And the reporter is obviously digging for some information. She she stonewalls her. She doesn't. She isn't like angry or leave me alone. She says the right things. And right. She's like oh, you know, give me your card in case I think of something. You know, like if you're guilty, you want to keep them away from you. So it's really smart that she does it like that. I loved that. And um, yeah, I really really thoroughly enjoyed this first issue. And then uh, did you get a chance to read the the story at the back? Yeah, for the extra bits for. Uh potential yeah we'll see that we'll see them later yeah that one that one's going to be in she i saw her tweet today that story is going to continue in every issue at the end dope so so i really dug that too. sister crash (laughs) yeah and and i really and i really like this design too yeah but yeah i really thoroughly enjoyed it what do you think uh it was a good solid star and and again yeah i was muted but i i agree it's like fuck i'm I'm already thinking about i was already like a sucker for a rogue son and I didn't want to do another, and, and that one doesn't even say if it's ongoing or not. I'm glad that this one does. <laughs> and if they give Infernal Girl Red her own book, which I mean, like they are, <laughs> it had its own Kickstarter for it to have one. So it's like I'm sure they'll, it'll have its own. At the very least, OGNs just expect yeah. books from the massive universe. So yeah, I'm, I'm, but I'm glad. I mean, she doesn't need to have her own series, 
and this way she can be like but um, at the very least like some sort of like story or explanation to like at least like her character because she comes in very fucking strong and it's like oh she's the bad guy or or whoever they are with like they're like they're, they're very mysterious at first and then it's kind of hard to kind of forgive them after a while especially because like they put nathan in the hospital uh but yeah like yeah. this is actually pretty dope yeah really dug it so very excited to see what we're gonna get from the supermassive universe so next up is dc comics and Okay, we got some books to go over, and I will start my very top, my solos. Justice League versus Legion of Superheroes, number two of six. Mm-hmm. Um, this one is written by Brian Michael Bendis, drawn by Scott Godlutsky, colored by Ryan Cody, and lettered by Dave Sharp. And this, for most part, revolves around Gold Lantern. Oh, nice. And they kind of explain Gold Lantern. Whereas basically in, you know, way in far in the future, in the 30th century or whatever, um, he gets approached by the Guardians. And they're like, hey, we want you to be a lantern. And he's like, I don't, I don't know what that is. <laughs> like, so they basically reveal and he's like, yeah, that seems like an army. I'm not really military. I'm, you know, I'm a builder. I'm a teacher. And they're like, that's what we want. Like basically, like we want to do it right this time. So that's why they make him the gold lantern. It's really cool though. Cause they show his origin. And the very first thing they show is there's a school on fire and his people on his planet full on half of them don't have vision. They can't see mm. including him. So oh. he's actually a blind superhero, which is dope. Uh-huh. And, he, and he's saving kids from the burning school just trying to get them out of there, like talking them out and escorting them out, even though he's blind. So that's what kind of makes him like the brave character, you know, mm-hmm. and I really dig that. So he's the only one still during back in our time. Meanwhile, everybody else got kicked forward into the far future and they're all kind of dealing with that. Um, I really, I'm, I actually really enjoyed all the like little, little bit of interactions. I'm not going to go through them all, but there's a lot of like this character and this character. What if this character, this character talked, you know, and with it being this Justice League, I thought it was great because Black Adam is in it, and I love Black Adam. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, basically, there's like a big black portal in the sky, and they find out it's actually in both times, and it's a rip in the space-time continuum, and they're going to try to figure out how to close it, and they don't know how, and that's where it kind of left off. I really dug it. Um, I love when they have a crossover, and they use it as an opportunity to get, get help you get to know a new character. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what this did, and I thought it was very good at it. So, highly recommend. Uh, and it's only six issues, so it's not too much of a commitment. Next up, Batgirls number four. I got the International Women's Day cover. Oh, cute. <laughs> yeah, it's just cute. Um, and uh, this this issue is great. It made me laugh mul- out loud multiple times. Um, so, written by Becky Clune and Michael Conrad. Art by Jorge Corona, color by Sarah Stern, and letter by Becca Carey. So, um, it seems like every issue is basically a new day in their world. So, it's like, you know, it's what happens that day. And so, they wake up in the morning, and, um, you know, it's Cass, and it's Steph, and it's Barbara. In the last issue, Barbara got kind of like a sexy phone call from Dick, but then you found out it wasn't. It was oh. a dick. It was Seer who broke in and you know, mm-hmm. stole his voice and stuff. Uh, so she's all leery about that. And um, 
there's like a lot of jokes in this and one of the things I, I, I like a lot is that they are presenting um, Steph as really kind of like fun and easygoing and Cass is kind of serious and a little too literal, I guess. Mm-hmm. So Cass is really good at reading people's faces. So she keeps telling Stephanie exactly what she's thinking. <laughs> like, like it's really funny. Um, there's a great moment where at the beginning where they go to a local bookstore and the guy behind the counter is like, Oh, what kind of book would you like to cast? And, um, he's like, Oh, you know, spicy bi- biographies. Like, I know, no. And he goes, I think for you, it must be the runaway, a story of adventure, action, intrigue, and a secret identity. And he goes to hand it to her. And, uh, <laughs> she goes to pay like a page later. And he goes, she, she goes, how much? He goes, no, no, the first read is on me. I only asked that you come back and tell me how you liked it. In this panel, she says, I will. Reading is fundamental. <laughs> <laughs> I just adore her. Also, what um, a good pitch for like a bookstore. I know, right? <laughs> but um, yeah, basically... They have so many villains now that they have to basically decide which one to go after. Mm. And they decide to go after um, the artist dude. So they wear masks to prevent the scarecrow toxin from messing with them. Um, And there's actually a great moment. So briefly, Stephanie is taken over by the bad guy and fights Cass. But Cass hugs her and says, you're my best friend and it rescues her. Oh, I think I did see that one on Twitter. I really liked it. Steph curses him out and the editor puts a thing over it (laughs) that says... Steph is using some justifiably strong vocab here. To quote the French philosopher Jean-Jacques Rousseau, who beyond having incredible hair said the following, the world of reality has its limits. The world of your imagination is boundless. As such, we'll leave you to imagine Steph's dialogue. (laughs) (laughs) So, also one of the reoccurring jokes is the car that they stole from the the gangsters that they've been rolling around in Mm -hmm. has a tape deck that's broken. (laughs) <laughs> so they can't remove the tape and it only plays one song over and over and they don't tell you what song it is but it does involve a guy saying all-star a lot <laughs> <laughs> and uh the, the artist keeps making notes that she loves this song and doesn't know what anyone's <laughs> talking about like it's, it's fantastic it's just so much fun it's just a fun book as long as you don't take batgirls too seriously right like i know people that are like Yes, but at what point does this take place? And, you know, did it take place before that? Shut up. No. <laughs> like, just enjoy it. I really, really like it. I've also been seeing some pretty cool, like, re- I guess, resurgence, uh, some love resurgence towards uh, Deceased. And I, I guess at some point, um, was this uh, spoiler? Uh, was it Cassandra? Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess, like, she dons, like, the Shazam powers. I was like, well, that's pretty fucking cool. Kind of want to see that that's happen. Sick. I didn't know that. <laughs> I'll check that out. But Detective Comics 1056. Uh, it's the first time I didn't get the like the hyper realistic covers. Okay, they were actually out. I was like annoyed by that. So, all right. So, creative team written by Mariko Tamaki, art by Aman K. Benahopan, colors by Jordi Berlier, and letter by Ariana Mayer, with the backup story at the end, written by Matthew Rosenberg, drawn by Fernando Blanco, colored by Jordi Belair, and letter by Rob Lay. Um, it's. It's so good. Okay, so um, with the Arkham Tower thing imploding, right? That's been building forever, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh no, Arkham Tower, the, all these crazy people and psycho pirates not keeping them under control very well. Well, shit hit the fan, finally. <laughs> and a lot happens. 
Uh, so first of all, we do see Stephanie at, undercover, and she basically is with a group of, of patients. She's like, I'm going to protect you. Um, and then you see Dr. Chase Meridian, the good doctor, who's about to be killed by these dudes. Yeah. And who saves her but Harley Quinn. And uh. it is revealed... The person who thought who was in there because she thought she was Harley Quinn was actually Harley Quinn undercover, which is a really good cover. <laughs> <laughs> and she, they portray Harley pretty great in here, and it's just like, and I like she's a straight up hero. She's nice. part of the team now, which I'm like, fuck yes, finally, you know, like. And so, she basically was like, "Hey, I got to go save other people, Doc." And she gives her a pistol, and she's like, "I'm not gonna shoot anybody." She's like, "Well, I'm not sticking around, so you're gonna need this." Basically, <laughs> so. um Probably the the star of this issue was was Huntress. Nice. Uh, she just <laughs> she's like fighting this dude, right? He shows up and they're fighting, and they're having like a, a knife fight. And you can see right here, she has it to her his neck. You know, it's like, and then Harley Quinn runs by and says, "Hi, Huntress." <laughs> just <laughs> runs by, and that's it. And then she goes to destroy the security system. Nice. And she's about to hit it with her hammer, and she's like, "Wait." Um. No, Huntress goes, before you hit a button, make sure you're not going to blow us up. Probably ask Oracle. And she asks Oracle. Oracle's like, yeah, just destroy it. She's like, okay, cool. <laughs> so she does. Uh, Tim shows up. A lot of great stuff's going on. But the problem is, Scarecrow has Nightwing up on the top of the tower. And he holds him out the broken window and drops him. Oh. And he's falling. And here comes Batwoman. Batwoman. She's like, I'll catch him. Goodbye, Nightwing. She reaches out and doesn't catch him. Oh, shit. His arms are tied to his sides. He can't move. And he's unconscious anyways. And then this shot. Uh. Yeah. And then. Oh, really? Okay. Motherfucker's back. (laughs) Okay. Of all people to catch him. Like, that's really cool, dude. Um. And then the side story uh, with the, the kid whose life just sucks, which I love to say. I love just saying this every week. Just this kid with a shitty life. Um, he he does run into some characters in this one, including Leslie Tompkins and um, Huntress, and also he runs into Batman for the first time in a while, the real Batman. Mm-hmm. And basically he engineers a thing to make it make Batman look really bad in front of all these street kids and Batman realizes what happened and he's just like I, we gotta go so they take off and just yeah it's a really good one that's building to a climax I can't wait to see where that's going so uh, last solo book Batman Urban Legends and I will not be talking long about this one because <laughs> it's a anthology and good god a lot to go over Okay, so first first story is Batman Zatanna, part three of six, written by Vita Ayala, oh, yeah. art by Nicholas Sismegia, uh, colors by Nick Filardi, and letter by Steve Wands. Uh, White Witch, part three of three, written by Ram V, art by Anand Darke, colored by John Pearson, letter by Aditya Bidikar. Uh, Eternity, part three of three, written by Mohale Mashigo, and art and colors by Aris Dane, and letter by Seda Tamafonte. And Ace the Bat-Hound, number three of six, written by Mark Russell. Art by Carl Mostert. Colors by Trish Mulvihill and letter by Steve Wands. Um, I'm not going to talk too much about any of these in particular. Uh, I really, I'm, I'm enjoying them, but I'm really enjoying the Batman and Zatanna story. Mm-hmm. And one of the main reasons for that is John Constantine showed up. Nice. 
And all he's doing is just hitting on Batman. And Batman <laughs> is just so painfully a straight white guy that doesn't know what to do when it, when a bi guy is hitting on him. And I love it. <laughs> um, but basically, they discovered that these two creatures came through the portal that they opened. And um, they're draining Zatanna and Batman of life energy. So they have to defeat them so before they basically cease to exist. So that's kind of the arc where we're going. We're only halfway through the story. So, like, the pace in it, and I'm kind of curious to how far we can go still. It's really interesting. And then, of course, um, I'm going to mention White Witch, uh, the art. Again, it's that almost watercolor style art. Oh, really cool. That one alone is worth reading. So, But really good stuff. I don't want to go over too much of them. Uh, so, yeah, that is all my solo books. So, we're going to move on to the books that we share. Josue, are you ready? Yes. Let's start with... Part two of a two-part crossover. <sighs> Superman, Son of Kal-El, number nine. So glad you picked this up. Dude, I mean, uh, I, I had to. And it's like, and, I, and, I, and good thing I didn't go for, like, the stock variant, because, like, the connection of, like, the symbols. Like, I knew it had to do it for, like, the second part. So it's like, yes. Yeah, that's good stuff. <laughs> All right. So, written by Tom Taylor, penciled by Bruno Redondo. Inked by Bruno Redondo and Wade Von Graubadger, great name. Colorist is Adriana Lucas and letter by Wes Abbott. Um, so yeah, it's part two of the Superboy Nightwing crossover. And we get a bit more like insight. Uh, now keep in mind, the two of us aren't the most up-to-date with all DC lore. Mm-hmm. Um, we do what we can, but DC for a long time was a kind of a low priority for me, and I've only recently started appreciating it again. Yeah. Uh, but... We get to figure out kind of where how John Kent grew up so quickly <laughs> as he spent some time in an alternate reality. And you get to find out the connection he has with Dick and how interesting it is that he's like, you were my hero when I was a child. Like, and Dick is like, I'm still young. <laughs> like, and, just, and I really, really liked that connection. And just, I mean, it's Bruno Redondo, so the art's perfect. <laughs> like, I mean, this shot... All of them, like all the shots, like when, when when he's falling and he's just like kicking back and like yeah. him coming oh. up, like oh my god, it's so incredible, dude. The the wingsuit, like what? <laughs> yeah, I also loved when um when uh what's his name uh, uh John's boyfriend when Jay when he comes in through the wall, yeah, and Dick's like, what the fuck. <laughs> like, <laughs> I really like that. Also, I love Dick's shirt, which looks like the old Comics Code yes. Authority stamp, but with DC Comics on it. Yep. Love that. And yeah, it's just basically a promise for them to work together and him to support John, which I really like because I think that's a really good idea. And I thoroughly enjoyed this. What do you think? It, it was really good. It was one thing I really love about DC is like every now and then I'll, I'll, get, I'll be able to find these gems of just two issues. These fantastic two-parters, and they're just some of my favorite things about the medium. Like, a call back to, when was this year? When did this come out? 2008, for the first volume of Superman Batman, number 51 and 52. If you can ever go, uh, if you can ever dig into some uh, long boxes, find those two issues uh, for your DC collection. They are fantastic. They are perfect. Uh, It's like this this, uh, off-world of little leaguers is like this like cute uh not chivy but like mini versions of of the justice league that come over to like the the main universe and it's just super, super and batman not knowing how to deal with them because it's like 
they're kid versions of themselves but it's like <laughs> it, it's really fucking good it's, it's just like it paints like a beautiful just kind of sad uh story on uh these kids like kind of losing their innocence just because they kind of came over here but it's awesome i don't want to go into too many spoilers and now i have this really fucking good two-parter like when the dude detonates like in front of yeah. in front of uh jonathan and and again like and like how you said like how these two people like really see each other the fact that jonathan is emphasis on is superman that he asked first, are you yep. okay? Yep. And then and then Dick just like kind of coming back to his senses, being like, Yeah, no, no, you shielded the blast, but are are you okay? And he hesitates and just like and then he sees Jonathan as a boy, like, ah kid, and just hugs him and it's like, oh my god, so fucking good. <laughs> my favorite line was, and I don't have it in front of me, so I won't quote it exactly, but we're the only two who see that in Damien. Yes. I was like, yes, thank you. <laughs> like we have a lot of comment in the comment, John. We both we both see that thing in Damien that no one else does. Both yeah. sons of icons, but I've seen this I've been yeah, and then the, the whole like mentor thing is like, oh my god, yes. <laughs> like that was such a great line to me because I, I'm I've talked about it in the past. I'm a huge fan of Dick as Batman, Damien as Rabbit. Robin. Oh, fuck yeah. That's one of my favorite Batman runs ever. I really love that. So just see that little homage to how much he gets Damien. I really like that. So okay, And last thing, Lewis, uh, uh, Lewis going full mom mode with a fucking gun. Yeah. <laughs> totally awesome. <laughs> and I'm not a big fan of the portrayal of Lois a lot. Like, I, I kind of think she doesn't really get a portrayal, good portrayal a lot. Mm-hmm. I liked her in Checkmate. She was good in that, but yeah. Nice. But yeah. All right. Next up. One of our faves, Future State Gotham, number 11. Now, I've, been, uh, I've been shouting out my praises about this character, so you know I got that stock variant. Yeah. <laughs> That's a really good one. I did not. I got the I got the base cover. So, Written by Dennis Culver. Art by Jaffo. Letter by Troy Pateri. So this is following up on the next Joker storyline, where the Joker has hacked the magistrate system takes over all the little robots which are now joker bots and is going to wreck some havoc um (laughs) i love it because they're like what are we going to do so it's it's red hood it's batman and it's hunter panic trying to protect tobias whale and they're like what are we going to do and the very first thing is harley quinn comes in and hits somebody with a baseball bat (laughs) yeah sure (laughs) that's what would happen and it completely ruins their plan, too, which is great. Yeah. Um, and then we find out that Hunter Panic and Harley have to team up, which Hunter Panic is like, absolutely not, but they do <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so it's just really cool. And we get a little check-in with Dick where he uses uh, Brain <laughs> <laughs> to find out what happened to Damien. So he does, and then he passes out. Uh, that's just one little quick check-in there. Um, and then... While the, while Harley and Hunter Panic are with Tobias Whale, Batman and Jason find one of Bruce's little side bat caves, <laughs> and they find some toys. Which it's always fun on the Batman story when they decide to bust out the toys. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, so they're doing it, and then the first one we see is Jason dropping down on a motorcycle. Pretty cool looking motorcycle, but just a motorcycle. Totally. And then as he's falling. It transforms <laughs> transforms into a dope-ass battle suit on him as he falls, which was absolutely ludicrous, and I loved every second of it. Um, 
So they're fighting, and then he's like, you're still no match for me. He's like, but I didn't come alone either. He points up to Batman, who is in a straight-up bat armor suit. Looks dope. So I sick. I love it. <laughs> so good. I really thoroughly enjoyed this. What do you think? It's one of my favorite mangas. I mean, comics. I mean, I mean, I mean manga. No, comics. It's fucking awesome. I have so much fun every single time I read this shit. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> and again, just like shout, shout out to at least like one book giving a uh, Hunter Panic and Mother Panic uh, some love. Yeah, definitely. All right, next up, we're going to a final yes. issue, uh, and that's the celebration of how good it is. Not that we're happy it's over, for the record. In case wondering. Wait, don't you want to go in order? Part one and two, part two. Oh no, we're going to do Superman versus Lobo first. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. That's right. Because I didn't get to that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, you didn't read it. That's right. So, this way, bought Superman vs. Lobo, but didn't have a chance to read it. As I mentioned, he had a very busy week. So, uh, I'll review Superman vs. Lobo, and I'll be more than happy to, because it was very good. Nice. Okay. Um, written by Tim Seeley and Sarah Beatty, drawn by Mirka Andolfo, colored by Arif Prianto, and letter by Fabio Amelia. Um, we're both well aware that Lobo's the worst, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we both read Crush and Lobo. We know yep. he's the worst. Okay. <laughs> So basically, they're trying to protect the the Paramecium, Newman, the little dude yeah. that tried to reward them. Well, he, he's about to get attacked by a bunch of people who don't like him, and the idea is they're supposed to protect him. And Lobo's like, don't see why I have to. And <laughs> But then the doctor lady that's with them, she basically is going to pay him everything she has to help protect him. Mm. Um, and then him and Superman have the, you know, the tension they normally have. They get into a big fight. And Lobo, get this, betrays them. (laughs) Uh, And he rips out Newman's heart and discovers it's basically a multiversal object that can grant your wishes. Uh. Essentially what it can do. So he uses it to make a world of his own, to make reality the way he wants. But by doing so, he has to betray the doctor lady, pushes her out into space, Oh. And she dies. Damn. Yeah, Superman is like holding her and stuff. Like, it's really sad. You also find out you you know how she's like her whole thing is she studies the last sons. Yeah, so like the last son of Krypton and everything. You find out she's a last of her line. Oh. Like her her entire race was wiped out by a virus. Damn. And and her parents were like virologists that were trying to solve it. And she was like in her medically sealed chamber watching her parents slowly die of the disease. Holy shit. Aww. Yeah, it's a really cool origin. I really liked it. So he remakes this world. And in this world, Lobo is basically the Superman. <laughs> and his name is Main Man. <laughs> so, I'm the Main Man. Of course, yeah. motherfucker. Actually, it's a really nice suit, too. I like it. Yeah. And he has his own little Justice League group. They're called the Leagues of Last Last Sun. The League okay. of Last Sons. All right, spoilers. I got to see this shit. <laughs> what? Well, because I'm flipping through. I got to see it. Oh, okay. Um, also, in this world, Superman is a bad guy, and his <laughs> and his his sidekick is Toy Man. Which, let me be f- very clear, Toy Man is a great villain, and I love him. Some more Toy Man, please. <laughs> also, this is this is Lobo's Clark Kent. Oh. Really? Okay, yeah. that's cool. And his name is, um, oh god, what was it? It was something ridiculous. Joe Wolf. Son <laughs> of a bitch! Are you serious? <laughs> like, yeah. Um, 
but yeah, he's still Lobo is the thing, and that's that's like something seems off. And Lois invites Joe to her apartment, and he's like, "All right, babe." So she, he shows up, and she's like, "She's like, I needed to tell you, uh, you know, I need to see if you're ready, ready for me and my theory." <laughs> like, it's like, ah, oh, see, I'm a writer. I know good writing when I see it, and even more than that, I know bad writing. Stereotypes, lazy tropes, bad characterization, shock for the sake of sake of shock. Superman going full fascist and saw himself as a god emperor, toy man as a seer. The army of robot sex toys turned shock troopers. It doesn't feel right. It's not right. Don't laugh. But we're living in a badly written story authored by an edge lord, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, Tim. <laughs> Tim Seeley still finds ways to make me smile. <laughs> like, I love it. So, um, but yeah, basically they like, he set up a bunch of cameras and she gets kidnapped or she gets taken by his people. And then he's like, Oh no. to the camera. Like, Oh no, must save her. Like it's all like this whole thing. Long story short, they have to stop Lobo. They end up doing so. And, um, uh, they're able to use Newman's heart to bring the doctor back to life and everything. Um, everything ends well. All's well that ends well, basically. It's really cute. So um, I really enjoyed it. And in the end, Lobo decided to start his own world in a different way. Um, he, it said, un- unhappy to, with the universe not built for someone unable to change for the better, he decided to create his own universe. So he started his own news ser- news show where he can just basically make shit up and people have to believe him because it's on the news so it's like does superman eat tons of babies i think so <laughs> like it's stuff like that so i really enjoyed this three issue run it was a lot of fun um i love seeing tim and sarah working together again because we're big fans of money shot yeah um part of me hopes now that the series is over maybe money shot can come back sometime soon please but yeah um, so really really enjoyed it though I, I thought it was the more i read of that series the more i was like I'm so glad DC let them do this. <laughs> like, I was just, so, um, but yeah, what'd you think? Oh no, you didn't read it. That's right. <laughs> so, I will tell you what I think about it. Later. I want you to read it. It's really, really good. So uh, that takes us on to our conclusion of DC. And we're going to talk about the child, of the Amazons one and Nubia six. We're just basically going to treat this as one story, one, yeah. one review because it's basically all together. So creative teams though, we'll run that down first. Child of the Amazons, number one, which is part one of the crossover for the record. And here we go, because this is a list. Let me pull it up here. All right. Oh, boy. Written by Stephanie Williams, Vida Ayala, Joel Jones, Michael W. Conrad, and Becky Clinton. Art by Laura Braga, Skylar Partridge, Joel Jones, Elena Casagrande. Um, Colors by Romulo Fajardo Jr. and Jordi Belair. Letter by Pat Brousseau. So basically what happens... Oh, and before we even get started, the, this logo yeah. is so awesome. <laughs> the banner across the top with the three symbols. Yeah. I'm 100% here for that. That is so dope. Um, but yeah, basically we get to find... We find out what's going on in Olympus. And um, all three Amazonian tribes show up. Um, so... The the Bonamigdal, which we do know of, that's the one that Artemis is now a member of, yeah. she's the general of. We know that one, and then of course we do know there's another Amazonian tribe out there, and but it's not really like right away addressed. But this page, 
Dude. With the feather? Yep. Oh, so good. And then we get the big reveal, and just it's just our girl Yara Flora being everything she should be. I mean, the fact that how it just flips into Joel Jones, too. The art, yeah. That face, immediately that face. I was like, oh, <laughs> we know who this is. Um, so, and then Yara Flora and the rest of them show up, which is the es- Esquisita? Esquisitas. Okay, yeah. So that's the third tribe, and they show up, and they're basically like, oh, and also this. This is a poster on your wall. Yes. Oh, for <laughs> like, sure. Like, just take the... the well, actually, no, just leave the word balloon in. Fuck it. <laughs> like, oh, hell yeah. Like, um, but yeah, basically, so they show up and they, they, they just, they're trying to pick the new guardian of the door. Mm-hmm. And they decide to open it up to all the tribes because they're just like, we should get a chance to do this too. And so they're going to hold the big tournament and they're going to decide who's going to do it, which is going to be a lot of fun. Um, meanwhile, as all this is happening... We were teased there was a murder, and you and me were kind of ba- vaguely theorizing who was going to die. Mm-hmm. I did not think nope. it would be fresh off her Justice League run. <laughs> Hippolyta is dead. Poisoned, it looks like. Yeah. And so while we have this going on, we're also dealing with the tournament. So that's the first issue. Then we'll go to Nubia, which is six of six, by the way. So this is the end of this run. This one is written by Stephanie Williams and Vida Ayala. Uh, scripted by Stephanie. Pencils by Aletha Martinez. Inks by Mark Morales and Aletha Martinez. Colors by Romulo Fajardo Jr. and letter by Becca Carey. This one opens with kind of her ceremony. And it was a really sweet ceremony. I really enjoyed what this... Yeah. Like the way they did this. The whole like... The, the Escasitas providing the coins and then the the Themyscarians providing the bouquet. And like I just thought it was really cool. The, the vial of blood. It was just very in character yeah. for all of them. I thought that was really dope. Um, and then just like the the sad, sad moment at the end with Philippus, uh, Hippolyta's love, mm-hmm. basically, having to basically say goodbye. I was like, I was like, fuck, I'm starting to get a little teared up here. Shit. Yeah. So, and yeah, basically, we're getting like little teases of what's going to happen here. And they're doing the politics of like, who is going to um who is going to represent the each you know tribe in the in the battle um we don't get the revelation in this issue but we we do get a tease of a, a danger lurking as well mm-hmm. um and i just think it was really cool to get both these issues in the same week cuz i think if we just gotten the first one it would have been like i need more now yeah. like, and i think this was a good amount to have in one one week there um, there's also like way too much tension in that first issue where it's like there was still so like, don't get me wrong in newbie yeah. six there's still a lot of tension there that we still got to see but it's just like i still wanted to see that build more because it's like god damn it like obviously she's meant to but fuck queen faruga just god damn it she just pisses me off like girl fucking chill what's up with all this fucking girl hate like <laughs> we're all here now like you, you your your time has paused like like fucking like you're not aging right now being on Themyscira. you can fucking chill at this point so I know she's not going to be the villain. It's, it's too fucking easy. But god damn, like, Bottom McDowell just, like, again, like, y'all are here. It's like, fuck. I, I mean, I just think it's because we both know we both love the Escocita more than any of the other two. <laughs> like, it's not even a competition for us, is there? Like, no. They're amazing. Like, and it's it's Yara. I mean, it's our girl, so. But, but, but you know, I'm keeping keep an eye out for, for Artemis. Like, she's going to be a fucking player. Yeah, it's true. Um... Who do you think is going to represent? Oh, for each? I mean, like, obviously Yara Flora, Escasita, yeah. for Escasitas. 
um, for the Bonham McDowell, again, like, I'm not sure if they're going to go with Artemis because Artemis has that side plot or s- side mission that she has to fulfill. Again, with uh, with Hippolyta, like, Hippolyta knew about that, so it's kind of like, was this, some, was this an ex- part of the plan, too? Like, does, does Artemis expect this? I don't think it was her because it was like, Artemis isn't like the poison type. Yeah, she wouldn't poison. It's no, funny, but... we are like, she'd kill her, she just wouldn't poison her. <laughs> <laughs> um, so she has that side mission, so I don't think it would be her um honestly, it's not gonna be the, it's not gonna be the queen honestly i was about to say like if like all that fucking all that all that shit talking if i can put your mouth or put your money where your mouth is like and, and, and again German, like, they, the winners they, becomes the queen of the amazon they, they stepped up the the fucking uh stakes here with yeah the winner gets it all so bitch if you want to fucking prove something you might as well get in there yeah like all that I'm, shit talking get in there come on who do you think is going to represent the themiscarians that is very interesting I mean, not I, Diana. Not Diana. It's a little too easy. It's too it? easy. It probably was almost like a give it, like give it, give it to her. I don't want it to be newbie. I still want her to be like no, running she's it. A queen, be a queen. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's interesting that that um, was it also or Cassie and Donna showed up with Escasidas, but they're also probably like as escorts to show them how to get there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so honestly, I don't know. I mean, maybe one of the new girls too with Nubia. Who is the one that Andromeda? Like yeah, she was the, the badass, the yeah. She yeah. had like that, that little arrow scene where you're just like, again, like those bitches are fucking aiming at her. Like, come, like you don't just like pop one off and like, oh, the guns took it. Not to Amazon's bitch. Like you know this, <laughs> you know what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. It's curious. I'm, we're gonna keep an eye on that as we go on. I know. It's like it's, it's just like it's it's really fucking cool. Like it's, it's crazy that it's been like years, well over a decade of an actual focal Wonder Woman event book and now we have it here and it's really fucking fun yeah i really liked it so all right now we're gonna swift over to marvel comics and we have a stack we're gonna get through as quick as we can this is the most marvel comics i've bought in one week it's a stack yeah i'll just glad to say that i'm gonna start with the women of marvel number one have you seen the covers to this no I love the cover I got, and you're going to love it, too. This is the one you're going to get. Oh, uh, oh, uh, with, 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 uh, with the fucking claw. And look, look, look. <gasps> really? It's a honey badger. It's uh, a honey badger. <laughs> that was her original code name was honey badger. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just amazing, dude. Like, I just love that so much. I saw that. I was looking at them. I'm like, well, I have to get that one. I mean, like, I have a challenge, so. This one, uh, I'm just going to – I'm not going to read the creative teams because there's too many. Um, But there's a lot going on. The cool thing here is there's a running theme in this issue. Oh, okay. And that theme is Black Cat. Oh. So Black Cat has a thing called four jobs Felicia hated and one she didn't. (sighs) And between every story, there's another Felicia story. Uh Uh-huh. They keep coming back to it with different creative teams, too. Mm-hmm. So it's like Felicia's bad job, number one. Felicia's bad job, number two. Felicia's bad job, number three. And then it's like the one that, you know, the one she didn't hate, basically. Like. But in, in addition to that, we did some get some spotlight on. And I loved it because it was characters we normally don't think about. Okay. Like Patty Prue, who's like a young witch. Mm-hmm. Barely a character. And most people wouldn't have no idea who that is. And she actually has a cool little crossover with Scarlet Witch, which was really cool. Um, there is Jessica Jones, which is one of the more obvious ones. Yeah. But it was actually a really good story. 
And uh, I don't want to talk about that because I want you to actually read that one. Yeah. I really liked it. Um, and uh, Squirrel Girl. Nice. The story. Uh, and she actually crosses over with Black Widow, which is pretty funny. Um, let's see. It's more Felicia. Uh, Shauna, the she-devil from uh, Kazar and the Savage Land. Mm-hmm. She gets a story that crosses over Silver Sable. Oh, which is a lot okay. Of fun. Yeah, like characters you're not like, those aren't the, you think women of Marvel, that's not who you're thinking of, you know, but you're like, yeah, they are. But know? even that kind of a crossover with her and, and Sable. <laughs> yeah, you're, but you think like Storm. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're like stuff like that. So, uh, so that's pretty much it. It's a really good collection. I really liked it. Um, I think having the running theme going through it helped it a lot for me. Nice. Because sometimes I just look at it as a really thick comic with like twelve stories in it. I thought I was never gonna. An- I thought I was never gonna answer it. Like all of them were gonna be kind of like botched jobs, and it's like it was gonna be up to the the reader to decipher which one was the one she liked. One of the ones she didn't like was really sad. Oh, okay. It was her breaking into a bedroom, and she breaks in and she finds an earring in the bed, and picks uh-huh. it up and puts it on, so it's clear it was her earring. And then in the next room is a guy talking to his wife. Oh. And she has this sad look on her face. And it's like, Felicia. <laughs> yeah. She's, she's such a beautiful train wreck. I love her. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, good stuff. I always like these anthologies. They're so much fun. So, Next up, Hawkeye, Kate Bishop, number five. I got a variant cover because I love it. Oh, yes. taking a selfie with pizza dog explosion in the back explosion going to the background <laughs> exactly this is the last issue of the series uh written by marike nejkamp inked by oren jr and robert roberto pogi pencil by anid balam color by Brittany peer and rochelle rosenberg and letter by joe Carmagna. it basically wraps up the story with her and her sister and it really ties them together again it really does a really good job of discussing their relationship um America and Cassie show up to help them, so they all work together. Um, they have to stop the the daughter of the Ringmaster, who's trying to get a cosmic cube fa- uh, fragment, so she can basically warp reality. Well, unfortunately, she gets a hold of it. And so they're trying to fight her, and then in the end, it's Lucky the Pizza Dog who saves the day. He bites her and takes the cosmic cube fa- fragment. They're able to stop the bad guys. They tie them up. And then Stinger, Cassie, is like, oh, guys, how do we deal with that? And it's Pizza Dog. using it. He's chewing on it like a chew toy. Oh, shit. And he's just summoning toys and pizza <laughs> with a big smile on his face. And they're like, uh, they basically say something like, he's such a good boy. <laughs> it's like, like, we'll figure it out later. He deserves a treat. And <laughs> basically leaves the Cosmic Cube fabric with the dog. Um <laughs> And they move. She moves back to New York. Moves into her family's place, um, and then that's when America and Cassie find out that she has an insanely awesome house that they've never been to. <laughs> like there's like a line where uh, I think is it America? Yeah, she says. Next, you'll tell me there's a, va- a library in your house or a private movie theater or a hot tub. She's like, there's actually all of the above. <laughs> so, oh my god! Like, <laughs> like I love that. So, but here's the interesting part, right? The very last lines is. Oh, America, have you told Kate about the intel Eli sent us? What? Eli, what's he working on? A nonprofit in Arizona. He found some weird encrypted documents about the sketchy uh, sketchy New York research lab and asked us to keep an eye out. And then it says, bring it, the end. Fuck yeah. Because remember, we're getting something Young Avengers-y. Uh-huh. 
Excellent. Not boy Patriot coming back, maybe? Even if it's a guest star role, I'd be so happy with that. So mm-hmm. Good stuff. Next up, Captain Carter, number one. I love this book. Um, I love Peggy Carter, though. I have a weakness for her. Um, so, written by, of all people, Jamie McKelvey. Oh. Of all the books to bring him back to Marvel, Captain Carter. And yeah. I love it, but still, like, huh. Oh, he's also very British, too. Yeah. Uh, drawn by Marika Cresta, uh, colored by Eric Arcianega, lettered by Clinton Cowles. I really liked how this was done because it was it was similar to what Steve went through when he woke up frozen, mm-hmm. but they put a Peggy spin on it a bit. Okay. So there's some things that are very similar. Like there's, there's a bit at the beginning where it's like, there's like a debate between the countries. There's a betre- debate between US, Russia, and the UK when she's found alive. And they're, they're like arguing in front of her. Like UK is like, she's a British citizen. She's coming home. And the U.S. is like, but that's U.S. technology in her. And the Russians are like, but we have the the like rights to the land she was found on. Oh God! And so they're and she's just sitting there listening. She's like, um, like she breaks the table because they won't stop arguing. And then she's like, um, am I still a British citizen? And the guy's like, yeah. She goes, all right, I want to go home. And so <laughs> she goes home, nice. and she discovers that the British government never officially declared her dead for morale purposes. Uh-huh. So she's been. She's been gathering a salary and a pension for 80 years. Holy so shit. Money. <laughs> so, yes. And there's one of my favorite things is remember the line when in, uh, I think it was winter soldier where he meets Falcon and Falcon's like, you know, what's the differences? And he's like, food's a lot better. We used to boil everything. Mm-hmm. There's literally a shot of her eating a taco <laughs> and say, saying food really is much better. <laughs> <laughs> And then this is going to be my new Twitter icon. I decided this look on her face. Nice. Oh, uh-huh. Because it says, the television dramas move so fast, I feel like I might get nausea. And they show a lot more skin than I'm used to. And the quote is, good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, but basically, like, the British government's like, hey, we want you to be a hero again. She's like, I'm not really ready for that. Yeah. And then there's, like, a bunch of criminals attack some people and she jumps into battle and she looks so fucking good in this book when she's fighting. Nice. This is her outside of a costume. Like like this shot. Cool. To this shot. Wait, where is it? Oh, fuck yeah. Like, she just looks amazing, dude. So she wrecks shit. Um, there's this dude. He fires a bazooka at a bunch of civilians. Mm-hmm. And... She does the classic cap thing of just eating it. Like, it's just so good, dude. I love it. And yeah, basically, it seems like she's basically she does that. She's trying to keep a low profile, but she opens her front door the next day and there's reporters who know exactly who she is and where she is. So (laughs) there's also in this her meeting, Betsy Braddock, who is still an an agent of Strike in this book. Oh, okay. And Strike is going to be like her Howling Commandos, basically. Oh, okay. So issue two, the cover is her and Betsy. That is sick as fuck. Oh my god, it's yeah. so cool. <laughs> right? I love it. So very good start. I like really, her, really love like it. Her black widow basically. With like the pink yeah. hair off like red hair. Yeah, it's so cool. Yeah, really, really cool. I'm really happy with it. Um and it's a little different than the what if one. It's not oh. the exact same character. Mm-hmm. So there's little differences, which you should check out. So um, next up, Eternals. Okay. 
Number 10. I can't I forgot about this one. Written by Kieran Gillen, drawn by Asad Rubik, colored by Matt Wilson, lettered by Clayton Cowles. So basically, the Eternals need to get into Avengers Mountain, which is a dead right. celestial. Mm-hmm. Um, and it opens up with uh, Tony and Namor arguing. <laughs> and Tony's like, I don't trust Cersei. She's up to something. And then they're just arguing back and forth. Basically, Namor says, uh, there are those who would say no to a date with a beautiful woman out of fear. That may include you, but you will never find Namor among their number. <laughs> <laughs> and so basically, Cersei's like, I want to go out on a date with Namor. And he's just like, ha, you're jealous. And Tony's like, I might be. <laughs> like, basically, like, um, and I love this line. He says, when Namor leaves, Tony says, there are days I think that man exists to make me know how other men feel about me. <laughs> Fucking asshole. <laughs> I'm like, yes. So he, he meets with Namor, or she meets with Namor, and she she's like, oh, like they're basically going to go have a soak in a hot tub. Mm-hmm. And she takes her, her earring off. Her earring is a little tiny thing that actually has most of the other Eternals in it. Uh, so <laughs> it's got Gilgamesh, Sprite, Ajax, and um, uh, Makari. And um, basically, they're there to talk to the Celestial Spirit. So they're sneaking around. And at this time, the Avengers are, by the way, Thor, Captain America, Iron Man, Black Panther, Captain Marvel, the Phoenix, Echo, mm-hmm. Starbrand, the little girl Starbrand, and Namor, right? So uh, Starbrand, they put on here, is a planetary defense system. The Eternals of the Machine are a planetary defense system. You would think this would put them on the same side. You would be naive. There's a certain professional jealousy. So Starbrand wakes up. Even though the Eternals are invisible, magically invisible, Starbrand wakes up and is like, she walks out and she's like, I see you invisible people, basically. And so Sprite goes visible and goes, you know who I am. And she reads her mind real quick. She says, I'm your magical sleep friend, Poobal Peebs. Hey, how you doing? And transforms in this like creature thing. And she's like, oh, yeah, you are my friend. She's like, let's go play. And they walk off to play <laughs> while, while the other Eternals handle it. They get to a thing where to perform this ceremony to talk to the dead celestial, they have to, there's, you need six people for the ritual. Mm-hmm. So there's six places to step. Well, there's only three of them, first of all, right now, because everybody else left, right? But Makari is so fast, she can stand in six places at once. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so it works. They're talking to the Celestial. And then, like, the Avengers alarm system goes off. And they're like, buy us some time to Gilgamesh. So it's going to be Gilgamesh against all of the Avengers. Oh, shit. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And so he said, I always did want to star in a Die Hard remake. And that's how it ends. <laughs> so I'm really excited. This is fun. Like, you should read it when you get a chance. It also the side story is it is Thanos, yeah, because he's still trying to get remade where he won't just die immediately, right? And so he's he is uh, he's interrogating Fastos, and they basically he's like, "How did my parents make me? What made it different? All this stuff." And Droog is like, "Well, you can ask them. They're three cells over." Because remember, we read that one shot mm-hmm. with Th- Thanos's fa- parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're in this prison. He didn't know that. Oh. And he spends the rest of the comic 
killing them over and over. Oh, of course he does. Motherfucker. He kills them, the machine comes back, he kills them again. He keeps doing it. And just killing some the random people out there. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like... So, so yeah, that's interesting. And his parents, he's basically gets to the point where he actually starts talking to them and he's like tell me what i need to know and they're like i hate you in ways you cannot understand thanos i'm not helping you in the least like so he just keeps killing them basically (laughs) but yeah all right so that's my solos now we're going to talk about some shared books and i'm so excited to talk about this book a lot of good shit here it made an impression on me um we're talking about a number one a hotly anticipated number one and a controversial number one, we'll say. <laughs> um, but I think they nailed the landing. Um, the Punisher, number one. Creative team, Jason Aaron, Jesus Size, Paul Azaceta, with coloring by Dave Stewart, lettering by Corey Petit. I think at this one, uh, this one's just Punisher. I got this cover. <laughs> That's cool. I, like, like I said on my tweet. I, want, I wanted to embrace the symbol. Oh, okay. So, yeah. I, 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 I did the only, like, <laughs> fucking Marvel because I bought so many of them when they were coming out, of course, they were fucking shelving this one for later because they were waiting. Like, oh, so I bought all the, most of like 95% of the timeless covers. He's going to get this one too. He's going to get this one too, regardless of what he thinks about coming into this issue. Yeah, it's true. Uh, so this, I got to say, first of all, the art is fantastic. Yes. When I got to this page, the first art with the sharp, or the first page of the sharp art, uh-huh. and these dudes, the way they're drawn, I was like, this is going to be so fucking good. <laughs> like, I was immediately like, oh, and it was. And this first fight scene, this sets the tone yeah. for the new run of Pu- Pu- Punisher. And I think it sets it so well. Like, I like the idea of him using a katana and not quite being great at it, but still being deadlier than anybody else. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah. still a little sloppy, you know, and just being absolutely brutal. And then this shot, the big reveal, this was cool as shit. Oh yeah. Send them in. The hand ninjas and stuff like the entire time you and I were talking about the symbol and everything. And we were talking about, it really depends on how they implement this. Like, why is he with the hand? That's that's what we were wondering. Like, yeah, he's not just—is he brainwashed? Because I'm sick of the hand brainwashing people. Mm-hmm. Like it's kind of cheap. Um, oh, also, there's a scene where they they brought him a bunch of criminals that got free, murderers, <laughs> rapists, abusers of women. It's like, and he just fucking executes them it's, all. It's literally almost like a sacrifice to Punisher. Yeah, it's interesting. And then we do see the scene where the hand tested him. Basically, they sent a whole bunch of ninjas and he had to kill them all. He had to survive, which he does. That's how they test. That was the first test to become their new head assassin dude, right? Mm -hmm. And then we get the big reveal at the very end. And this made this so worth it. And it makes the story make so much sense. And I absolutely love it. And I don't know why we didn't fucking think of this. Um, He gets home at the hand dojo, takes his clothes off, crawls into bed with a beautiful woman. And it's his dead wife, Maria, brought back from the dead. Yeah. And it's, it, it's just like, it's, it's one of those like, well, you guys are just buying it. It was just like, yeah. Because again, like we're, we're playing with Marvel rules here. You're, you're trying to tell me that. So like, like, I mean, like at this point going into like the lore, it's like, 
basically Electra Electra became Electra when the hand brought her back from the dead, and she's been this character that we all fucking love. So this should be very, very fucking real, especially when it's not just like a blank slate of a new person. The scars, like those oh, scars yeah. are fucking there. And even and even and even that even like the face ones where you're just like you just start having like these images, but it's just like the fact that that fucking Frank can just lay there with his eyes closed and just embrace her is like fuck. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> Okay. And it's also it's also really sad and tragic because you know the kids aren't back. Yeah. Because they made the point in the intro. I didn't talk about the intro because I didn't right. spoil. Mm-hmm. They made a point in the intro where it's a flashback to when his parent his family was killed, and they made a point that the kids were in pieces, is what they said. Mm-hmm. So the hand probably can't bring them back from that. Like that, yeah. So that adds a little bit of sadness to it as well. And maybe there's going to be a conflict they have later on, like. It just sets it up so well, and I was so excited. I normally don't like really bloody stuff like this, but I loved this book. Yeah. Just the art and that reveal, it was expertly done. I loved it. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be on board. It, it was a good one, especially like, it's like, it's like fuck, like, you're playing with rules, so it's like, that, that was a good one to, to use. Yeah, and it makes him not be just awful. Like, right? he's not just an assassin. He, right. He's there for a reason. And, and it might not be something we'd agree with, but... Yeah, no, it makes sense in Punisher's mind. He has his wife back. It does. And where, where maybe it's like if this some sort if this is some sort of a status quo change for the character, if she's a character that's maybe meant to stay for a while, maybe it's a new way. To, maybe it's a new a new way maybe to start writing Frank Castle in a different light than just like the stereotype he's been all these decades. Yeah, definitely. He needs a new direction. Yeah. And they tried a couple times to do it, and it's never the right way. Mm-hmm. I think this is a good one. Yeah. Oh, totally. But to me, this feels like when they redid Moon Knight, when they brought Moon Knight back. Okay. And they brought back Bushman, and he carved Bushman's face off. That run is what made Moon Knight not A-list, but B-list again. You know yeah. what I mean? And he's been he's been around ever since, mm-hmm. you know, been kicking around. So I really thoroughly enjoyed this. Yeah, me too. To be honest, I was, I was thoroughly surprised. Which I, it was a great cliffhanger. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next up, from a first issue to a storyline finale, Thor, number twenty-three, the shattering finale of God of Hammers. <sighs> okay. <laughs> Written by Donny Cates, you madman. Drawn by Nick Klein, colored by Matt Wilson, lettered by Joe Sabino. It's pretty straightforward what happens throughout most of this we just saw odin die yeah and his energy went into thor thor absorbed him this issue opens with thor learning how to throw mjolnir and odin being a good father which didn't happen very often (laughs) so was a really good memory and i was i was like oh this is kind of emotional and thor fighting mjolnir um trapping him using the rainbow bridge itself which was pretty dope yeah um, and in the end, Thor. Oh God! So Thor teleports them to Nidavellir, which is where Mjolnir was created, where the dwarves were before Mjolnir killed them all. Um, and as Thor said, "This is where you were born, and this is where you will die." So Thor uses the forge to destroy Mjolnir one hit at a time. And you see this, the the uh, hammer just cracking and cracking. And just 
It's so epic. And then we get this last shot with him holding a little bit of handle. Yeah. Like, and just sad. Like, that was really cool. And then he passes out because he used so much energy. He used too much of the Odin power. He was going to go into Odin sleep. Mm-hmm. And he wakes up four months later. <laughs> surrounded by his family, Angela, Loki, and his mom. And they're like, yeah, wake up. There's no body to bury. We'll hold the ceremony, but there's no rush. And even Loki's like, hey, I know this is hard. And he's just like, leave me alone, Loki. <laughs> like, Don't be a dick, Thor. Um, but I like that what Frigga said. We lost him too. You may not need us, but we need you. But we need you. Like again, like yeah. you're the fucking king. We gave you your fucking sleep, bro. Like, yeah, come on. Then Angela takes him to the armory and we have the reconstructed Mjolnir. Yeah. Without the magic. And it looks sick, first mm-hmm. of all. <laughs> it looks metal as hell. <laughs> so and yeah, they made the point, you know, that it's just a hammer. And then it says, you know, I think it depends on who wields it, don't you? She leaves. Thor goes to pick it up, stops, and prays to his father first. And he says, I'm just so lost, I can't see the path of you. And then Odin speaks. Keep your eyes open, boy, and focuses on the hammer. A king cannot roll from his knees. Odin now possesses Mjolnir. I love this. <laughs> I love it. Like as a comic book fan and as a Norse mythology nerd, yeah, I, love it. I don't it, care. It is a it is a pretty it is a pretty cool like weird circle to come back to with uh, these these three these three things. Yeah, this issue was fucking awesome. Like Johnny Cates is awesome. I get like like you, like you call him out. He's a fucking madman. But Nick Klein like is probably gonna go down in history as one of the best Thor artists for a run. Like when he when it gets down to the fight. And when he starts reigniting the forge, like that's some Jack Kirby shit that he was like tapping into. Oh yeah, it was so good. Or, or even, or, or also just like to solidify why I think about that opinion is the beginning. This shot when he holds his son, like mm-hmm. fucking a, like I've never seen anything like that in a Thor book. So it's like, yeah, Nick Klein is just like really one of the greats on uh, for a Thor book. It was he's been he's been so appropriately perfect every single fucking time. Yeah, it's incredible. I loved it so. All right, next up, Venom, number six. Written by Rom V, penciled by Brian Hitch, inked by Andrew Curry and Wade Von Roger, who is in DC and Marvel this week. By the way. <laughs> so i got to say his name twice. Uh, colors by Alex Sinclair and Peter Pantazis, and letter by Clayton Cowles. Um, this one was kind of like, it's kind of the start of a new arc. Mm-hmm. Um, so Dylan is... You know, he got away. He he's went to like a small a small city called Baywater. It's outside of Modesto, so he's no longer like in San Francisco. You know what I mean? And he's been staying with this old biker dude who owns a bar. And we get the we get some interaction between Dylan and Venom, which is really cool about what their intentions are together. And I like that we go we went from big international corporations struggling over Venom and. Eddie Brock in the end of time with other Venom symbiotes, you know, talking about existence to literally Venom breaking up a fight between two gangs. Yeah. I really like that. We made that transition here. I thought that was really dope. So, um, but yeah, I really, I really liked it. I think we're going to have a nice, we should, I think have a relatively grounded arc here. We might not, it might all switch, switch up, but I really liked it. What'd you think? Uh, well, I, I, I still kind of expect it I, I, until we get hit with the next issue. I still expect it to be doing the whole, 
V tells Dylan, Ewing tells uh, Broxai going back and forth, and somehow it still ties together. And there's still, it'll, I'll, this, this is going to be a big fucking picture once it all kind of comes together. But I really love this. Like, cause yeah, we've, we've been getting hit with like, in, right after Johnny Cates and how the, the King in Black, at this point, the King's in Black. I love that this issue just kind of went back to just like these Venom roots on like, just like this grounded runaway Venom story. And like you said, like breaking up these biker gangs. It's like, it's just the aesthetic of, of such, the, all the aesthetics of such a uh, grounded Venom book. And really good. I, I, again, I'm just really liking Dylan as a character as a new character donning the venom suit it's 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 really fucking cool so i'm really hoping he stays for like a good for marvel lore it's just yeah i just i just really like how, how he's just donning it how much fun would he be in young avengers yes as like as like the the spidey representative but we'll have miles but then we'll have like the anti-hero over there but then there'll be no reason because miles doesn't know dylan it's not that well he just has like I don't, oh i don't think miles is going to be in it Oh, that'd be cool. And then, yeah. Miles is in the champions. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, So as a spider representative, that, I think, I think cool. it's a whole new group mm-hmm. is what I'm thinking. So, yeah, I think it'd be cool. Plus, it's, he's West Coast right now. Yeah. And I always associate Young Avengers on West Coast after the first run, of course. And he's, so. he's, not, meant to, he's not meant to be having, like, a, a high profile. So it's, like, one of those, like, swoop in, like, a, a little team up. And then, like, I got to fucking still bounce, though. Yeah, I, I'd buy it. I, all right, next up, Strange Academy, number 17. Fuck. It's the A cover, but I love it. Oh, yeah, totally. I'm like, that's so good. Fuck. Uh, written by Scotty Young, drawn by Humberto Ramos, colored by Edgar Delgado, and lettered by Clayton Cowles. Um, so we take up after the dance. Um, Emily did stand Doyle up to just take care of Calvin. She could have given him a heads up, though. Something you have phone. We could have shot a message. But yeah, Calvin does get kicked out of school. We also get to see Doctor Voodoo do some cool shit, which I love. Doctor Voodoo, and mm-hmm. I really want more of him, anyways. Oh, totally. So we get to see him confront Gaslamp, which was dope. Yeah. Um, and then we get basically something that's building for seventeen issues. Doyle is upset that Emily stood him up and she's just like, well, Calvin's getting kicked out. And I'm with Doyle. Nobody was really wrong or right. I'm with Doyle. Fuck that. I'm team Doyle. <laughs> so, um, where she's like, do you think he deserves to get expelled? And he's like, yes. And he's like, you know, uh, he needed me you know, to talk in, everyone into ignoring that he was not only using dark magic, but he was dealing it to other students. That part for sure. He does have that point. He's like, what did you expect? The, what do you expect the staff to do? And if anyone knows the danger of that is Doyle. His dad's Dormammu. Mm-hmm. You know, but she's just like, I see the best in everyone. And that's kind of like her character from the beginning. And so they're obviously they're going to conflict here. Now here's my theory. So we had the whole thing where like, a dark one is going to rise. I think she's the dark one. Why? She has to be kind of contained. She's the only one that has to be contained with that ring. Yeah. And she's also, a lot of this book has been focused on what she's done. Mm -hmm. And then also something else that's been building up again, basically since issue one, in the end, Eric steps in and him and Doyle are about to throw down, but he doesn't realize that Doyle, Hands him his ass immediately. Also, the shot, sick. Yeah. Oh, totally. Doyle's so sick. I love him. 
Um, but he takes off basically. And um, we find out that Calvin didn't go home. He came back and now he's little dude. Yeah. I know, dude. Like, come on, man. He's just doing the wrong thing. And he's with gas lamp again. It's just a, uh... that's when Dr. Voodoo finds out that a bunch of the kids are gone and they're off. They're leaving strange Academy and they're actually taking their uniforms off at the door. Um, and presumably going to find Doyle. And um, our only uh, info team or info page is just the, the whole line. No more secrets. No more condescension. We deserve to know the truth. We deserve to be taken seriously. Walk out during fifth period. <laughs> which was like, <laughs> Just a little bit of immaturity. I love that. So we will be heard. I love that. Um, so the next issue is the last issue. Fuck. But it's coming back for season two. It's going to be in seasons. Oh, okay, okay, cool. It's it's semesters is what it's going to be. Oh, nice, so. perfect. Uh, I want to know. I mean, yeah, Doyle came up as like, yeah, I've been holding back on y'all, but there's been there's been two cats that have been like really holding back and who are probably the most powerful students of all time in this academy. And those are the only two students that show up to Magic's uh, uh, classroom. Like, I don't know. These kids seem these kids seem too afraid to give up any info. That means they're still holding info from Magic, Ileana Rasputin. How is she not getting this information? These kids are powerful as fuck. <laughs> Maybe she's just being nice. Maybe she has to sign like some. You don't even believe those words. <laughs> I'm sure that because uh, she sent them to limbo early on in the series, and I'm sure they set her down. And be like, listen, you can't do that shit. <laughs> like, they made her sign a pledge or something, and she's like bound by it it's magic. I don't know how you guys deal with it over in Krakoa, but here in the school, <laughs> we bury them in the <laughs> for eternity. So, um. All right, that brings us, we're going to switch gears. We're going to go to a galaxy far, far away for my sole Star Wars book, which is Crimson Rain number three. I got this dope-ass variant. Ooh, nice. It's very sick, very red. <laughs> so, um, Written by Charles Soule, art by Stephen Cummings, inked by Vikram Lozaba, and colored by a guru, and letter by Travis Lanham. It is the Crimson Rain part three. And this is cool because we follow the archivist. So we've seen this lady in all the Crimson Rain stuff so far. Mm -hmm. We discover that she was a researcher. Basically, she um, was a scholar who studied the Force. And this is back before Order 66. Mm -hmm. So she's been around a while. And she even specialized a bit in the dark side of the Force. Well, after Order 66, she really was not supposed to do that because we're supposed to not... We're Basically, the universe is supposed to pretend Jedi don't exist. Right. So uh, she gets jumped by some stormtroopers who are going to kill her. And that's when Kira shows up and shoots <laughs> them for her. Kira recruits her into the, the dawn and she tells her, this is what I need you to do. You know, basically you're a researcher. You know all this about the force and everything like that. Kira reveals to her that Palpatine was Darth Sidious. And she's like, of course, I should have figured that out. And she's like, I just need one thing from you. I want to make you an offer. And she takes her into this vault with all these force artifacts She's like, you could study this all you want, you know, all this stuff. And she's just like, I just need you to do one thing for me. And she goes, where do you want me to begin? She's like, um, it's a task. It's like, the Jedi fought the Sith for centuries. If I can enlist one to my cause, that would be incredibly helpful. Now, I want you to keep in mind, this moment here is taking place before Empire. Okay. Okay. I, I believe some survived Palpatine's purge, in particular, Yoda. 
The council grandmother. Okay, so yeah. How do you believe he survived? Uh, because the empire never announced his death. Huh. And you think they would, right? Yeah. So she does this whole like detective work where she discovers the footage of him fighting Palpatine. Oh, it's sick. In, in, in episode three. And she's like, well, he, so this is the last place anyone. And she like finds, okay, well, here's Bill Organa. He's um, Leia's adopted father. Uh, he uh, he had a ship that left and he would have been the one. That, and basically he found, she finds the pilot. She tortures the pilot. He's like, I don't know where he went, but I know what system it's in. So she finds Dagobah, eventually, oh, the planet where, where Yoda is. Again, this is pre-Luke's training. Oh, okay. So she lands, and she gets attacked by this creature. And she's about to die, and then it just lets her go. And she's, like, going forward. She finds the cave. Do you remember the dark cave from Luke's training? Yeah. Yeah, where he had, like, the visions and stuff? Mm-hmm. She goes through it, and... Uh, she basically she goes through it and something happens to her. Like she gets tested like by an accident. She, it doesn't show though. And she's like um, she's like um, basically I could be rich, I could be powerful, I could be a scholar at the best university in the galaxy, I could run it. And basically saying like Yoda's location would give me that. You know, and she's like, I'm one of the few people in the galaxy who knew one of the most valuable secrets. And then it shows her flying away. And so Yoda had to know all of that. He could have killed me or let the planet do it for him. Instead, he chose to teach me. Hmm. So he let her go through it. That was his plan. And then she goes back to Kira and she's like, Yoda's dead. Huh. And she goes, you're certain? She goes, I am. So cool shit. Nice. I really like that. I'm loving Crimson Rain. It's been so good so far. So. All right, now it's time to swing over to the streets of New York City. Check in with our favorite Arachnid heroes. And we're going to start with Spider-Gwen, Gwenverse number one. <laughs> Hostway. A cover. Oh, my God. Okay. B cover. Oh, nice. C cover. <laughs> Is that, oh, my God. Is that really like the Batman character? D cover. <laughs> It's well, we'll get to that. So, all right. So, I got four copies of the same comic because I'm a of course. Um, so, written by, and I didn't realize this, and this immediately makes me feel so happy. Written by Tim Seeley. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Oh, wow. Art, art by Jody Nishijima. Uh, colors by Federico Blee and letter by Ariana Mayer. So, it starts with our Gwen, the Gwen we know. And it, she's back on her world, which is low magic or low powered. There's very few superhero superhero supervillains. So her main villains are like the Bodega Bandit. This is the she Bodega Bandit who tries to steal a bunch of hot dogs. Gwen stops her. She has the typical stuff where she has a problem with Mary Jane and her dad, all that stuff. Stuff that's been going on for a while now. But we cut to many years from now to this chick. Mm -hmm. Very far in the future. And she seems to be like a pop viral star. And in the future... Her name is, uh, or wait, did they give a name? It's Finale is her name. Finale is her name. And she's given a big concert and she's like, it's, it's the last concert. This is the, you know, it, this is going to be the end of everything. Um, and she's like, basically like, um, for my opening act, I dug d- down into my soul and make a piece that pays homage to millions of years of art from cave paintings to fifth dimensional graffiti. 
It's like, behold, my penultimate meme. <laughs> and it's the cat meme. Oh, my God. And it says, that moment when you realize the last part of friend is end. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, oh, my God. Yes. They're all going nuts, right? So her whole thing was she hired a bunch of goons to get her a bunch of stuff, uh, um, stuff she needs that will teleport versions of her into the past so she can become all the heroes in the past herself. Oh. And her legend grows even more is the idea, right? <laughs> so her really lame group of bad guys <laughs> show up and they give her Kang's time ship, the Sphinx's costume, Doctor Doom's time platform, the Talus, which is a great reference, by the way, to the Exiles, and the Pigeon's time egg. But they were unable to get uh, um, uh, I forgot the name of it. Gray Malkin? Uh, Cable's chrono computer. Yeah. Uh, the one that helped, helps them body slide. Mm-hmm. It said, uh, yeah, Kid Carcass was assigned to steal that, but its owner, Cable, put a bullet in his face. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yes, exactly. So they're like, can this work with only five of the six? She's like, we're going to see. And so she casts it through time. At the same time, Gwen is traveling from her universe to our universe. Gets hit by a bolt of energy, and she meets back up with Spider-Zero. Do you know Spider-Zero? It's really Spider-Verse heavy. Oh, no, actually. Spider-Zero is kind of like the, the spider of the Spider-Verse. Okay. Like, they're very connected with the web. Uh, web of Life and Destiny. And that they're basically, they, they deal with all the interdimensional stuff. Mm-hmm. And they show up, or she shows up and finds out that everything has changed for some reason. And they do some research, and they find out, oh... This thing happened. This girl was trying to send her pet self back in time, but it actually hit Gwen during the process, so it actually duplicated Gwen. And it took bits of her personality. Okay. So, the first one is Thor Gwen, which she makes the joke, doesn't really roll off the tongue. And so, <laughs> she she goes back in time uh, to um, like 880 or something like that. And um, she runs into a bunch of Vikings, and then she meets Thorgwen. Nice. Who is excellent. And she's just drinking. She's talking shit. Uh, like, this lady paints a really nice painting of her, and she's like, you are not ungifted, pilgrim woman, but have you have not captured my princely charisma nor my shapely posterior. <laughs> and Gwen's watching her. She's like, she's confident, focused, unburdened by guilt. And... um. She she basically is like I got to stop her, and she finds she realizes like she's she wants to be adored, she wants to be worshipped, and she remembers when Mary Jane earlier in the issue was like you started this band when we were kids, so you can get all the attention you craved, and she's like she's got that part of me, Ooh. but amplified, and so it's going to be like a character study of Gwen Stacy as a whole as we do this, oh. which I really like. Um, so she's got to stop her. Um, the bad guy goes back to the bad guy, and she's like. You know, all her little goons, she's like, I'm going to send you guys after her, but you need a new leader. And it's Nightbird. Oh, oh, okay. Nightbird, yeah. the heroes are born, mm-hmm. who's Gwen Stacy of that world. And so, yes, I'm very excited because I liked Nightbird quite a bit. So <laughs> very, very good stuff. It's a good start. It is not just going to be like a, it's a, it's like the Miles one. And then it's not just going to be a what if. It's going to have a point. Okay. So I really, really like it. And it's Gwen, so of course I like it. So, all right. Next, let's talk about Amazing Spider-Man ninety-two, 
slash 893. So close. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this book is written by Kelly Thompson. Well, plot is by Kelly Thompson. Yeah. The script is by Jed McKay. Uh, arts, Fran Galan, Sarah Pacelli, and Zay Carlos. Colored by Brian Reber and letter by Joe Carmagna. Now, in this one, we um, we get the follow up on the whole thing with the um, the lizard. The lizard's revealed. He has wings. He looks different. Yeah, we're trying to figure out what's going on there. Well, we get the reveal here is that it appears Beyond has captured Michael Morbius <laughs> and has combined him with the wizard and gave or the lizard, excuse me, and gave him wings. And he's paler because you know vampire. I totally forgot about so, that. That they took him too. <laughs> Yeah, so um, we get this cool fight scene with Peter and the Daughters of the Dragon trying to fight him off. Um, they free Michael Morbius. Uh, the Daughters of the Dragon continually refer to him as Mike, <laughs> which he tolerates, which is great. They the compromise. Time, they compromise with Doctor Mike. Doctor Mike. Doctor Mike. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, they're they're fighting together. They're working together. They're they're taking down the the lizard. I keep saying the wizard, the lizard. <laughs> Meanwhile. Ben is going through a really interesting arc and I I didn't really think of it in the context that it really is until this issue in that he's missing chunks of his memory mm-hmm. and some of the chunks of his memory are the things that basically taught him how to be a human being. Yeah. And that's why he's so damaged and that's why he can't like he doesn't he doesn't know what to like the right thing to do because he doesn't have the instincts that we were, you know, drilled into as children, you know what I mean? So it's really interesting and makes it kind of sad, so um, he's going after the head of beyond himself. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's really good. It's obviously a foundational uh, issue. It's building to what's going to be happening. Uh, next one's going to be a dot bay issue. Yeah. And uh, that's going to wrap up the thing with the lizard and is going to give us Monica Rambeau. So I'm really excited about that. Um, what do you think? Uh, no, I mean, it was, it's really good. So it's really all coming down to an ending. Technically, it's the penultimate issue. But yeah, like you said, we have like the dot bay tie in before the actual climactic last issue of uh, beyond here uh so we'll see because like yeah ben is just like ever since like they've they really spliced out those peter memories he's just been a borderline of a sociopath it's just like pieces him out <laughs> uh says so that's why i was like the last week when we had the those two ben books and it's like and like the the other one was like the callback on how much of a he was doing it for his friend. It's like, like the weight of it is like, yeah, that, that person's just gone, has been gone. And you can definitely see the confusion here. And it's like, he wants to figure it out, but it's just like, just, just doesn't know where, which way to go. But it's like, at least he does have like the anchor in Janine, but fuck, it's just, it's, I'm so curious how this is going to end. Cause like, I know, I know it's starting over with like the new number one or like that or now Peter confronting Ben over like just ditching them. It's just like, now I see how like that fight's going to come, but shit. We'll see, and we've and we've seen the tease, yeah, with the, what did Peter do, yeah, and I keep thinking about this in context of that, like how is that going to match up with what we're look, happening now? Mm-hmm. So I'm really interested. Um, very very cool. So next up, let's head over to Devil's Reign for a little bit. We're going to start with Devil's Reign five. Normally, I he- I I hold the main book for last in crossovers they spoiled it last week but we got spoiled last week so let's just do it uh devil's reign five of six um so oh my gosh my cover's torn <gasps> right in the corner dang it written by chip zadarsky drawn by marco Cicchetto, colored by marcel Meniz, and lettered by clayton cowles so 
as we know, it's a, it's a crossover book, so a lot happens. So we'll go through it as quick as we can. Um, a lot of this book focuses around the purple children and the Thunderbolts coming to get them. Um, and they get opposed by the champions, which is pretty sweet. <laughs> um, they're able to get away with one of the purple kids. Um, and I thought that was cool because, uh, spoiler alert, later in the book, the other purple kids get depowered and all their power goes to the purple man himself. So now we don't have five purple kids running around that in the Marvel Universe. You know, that's a stor- complication storyline-wise. <laughs> so I'm glad that was cleaned up a bit. Um, but now purple man is insanely powerful. Um, so we also get a little bit of a follow-up with um, a bunch of other characters and stuff. Um, <laughs> but um, we get a really big brawl, basically. And it's just like every every Marvel like event has to have something. Like oh, this. totally. It's just, great. Or it's just everybody throwing down. And while this is happening, uh, Mike, we... we, we Figured this was what was going to happen. But yeah. Mike Murdoch is in Matt Murdoch's apartment trying to find his Norn stone so he can be like, yo, look, Brooch, it's real. I'm not, I'm not a dumbass. <laughs> and that's when Wilson Fisk shows up and murders Mike with his bare hands, thinking oh. he's Matt Murdoch. Yeah. And not only that. Yeah. There's a witness. <laughs> a pretty important witness. So, yeah. So, we know that Matt Murdock isn't dead. Mm-hmm. But the world at this point is... I mean, obviously it got out because it was mentioned in other books. So, the world might think that Matt Murdock is dead at this point. <sighs> is he going to take advantage of that and just be Daredevil for a while? Oh, right. And just like, and, and I mean, like, fuck, I guess they use it to have like a, a secret identity again. I'm wondering, I mean, is it, is it just going to be a body? I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if, if Kingpin will get away with it if it's like, oh, because he's dead and he's powered up through like the North Stone. Will he just like poof away and it's like, oh, no, like, nobody, no, there's a witness, but you can't prove it. Yeah. I don't know. It's really interesting. I'm, it's just, yeah, there's a, I'll go for I'll it. Go I was going to say, um, it was just like, it's, it's so funny. I was like, how it was just like so out of nowhere when Chip made that annual. It was like, oh, I guess Matt has had a brother, but it's all it's all been leading up to like for for this like little little <laughs> switch here. And the curious thing is, what is Butch gonna do? Uh, yeah, Butch and Mike seem really tight. They were very fucking tight. I mean, they had a little falling out. I mean, just because he didn't yeah. believe him about the whole Norse pebbles, or whatever. But yeah, they were they were pretty mad fucking tight. And Butch was already not liking his dad, anyways. Hmm. Mm, yeah. I'm curious. Um, I, I, I thought it was really interesting. How, I'm pretty sure I can just look it up myself in two seconds. But I thought it was really interesting that the that the on the next uh, Devil's Reign they gave us the variant instead of the the actual cover. Mm-hmm. So it's, I'm curious. <laughs> yeah, it's very curious, isn't it? <laughs> so, all right, next Devil's Reign book, Devil's Reign Moon Knight, <laughs> which is unfortunately a one shot. Yeah. Um, Written by Jed McKay, art by Federico Sabatini, colored by Lee Luffridge, and letter by Joe or by Corey Petit. Um, I loved this, yeah, so much. <laughs> I was kind of like, it's so I'm so stupid. Okay, so I'm reading it. And I'm like, ah, this feels weird, and it's still Jed. I don't know why. I didn't even think this is going to come around. Something's going to happen. But I was like, why is Moon Knight acting like this? Why is he? Why does he want to fight in the like? 
I was like, oh, someone wants to be edgy with Moon Knight. And I was like, but it's Jed, you know, like yeah. he, he knows what he's doing. And then we find out why. And I I don't think I want to spoil this one. I think people should read this comic. It was very good. The twist is fantastic. And it's very Moon Knight. <laughs> like, I mean, oh, come on. When uh, when there's a whole conversation of like who, what the whole point of the book is yeah. for. And it's just like, yeah, like all these people are like scared of you going back and forth, but I don't fucking see it. And it's like, there, <laughs> you see it now. This was a dope fucking shot. <laughs> yeah. It's so cool. Like, and just, and I love the whole thing. Like the whole, like the other heroes don't like him. Oh yeah. He's like, but that's fine. They don't need to like me. Like, I love that whole concept. That's just so Moon Knight. It's just so good. Ooh, good issue. Very, very good fucking issue. Yeah, I could talk forever about it, but I would literally just be reading it page by page to you, and I'm not going to do that. Absolutely. Yeah, I know. I get you. <laughs> Next up, Devil's Reigns appear for number three, which is the finale. Uh, written by Zach Thompson, art by David Tinto, colored by Matt Mia, lettered by Ariana Mayer. Um, just straight up. Uh, Doc Ock has his arms ripped off, his metal arms ripped off last issue, and gets replaced by a sentient man thing version of himself. <laughs> that, you don't need to know anything else like about this book. That was incredible. He has a fucking man thing stuck to his back, giving him tentacle arms. Because he always has to have tentacle arms. That's the point. Like, and I loved that. Um, he ends up teaming back up with his team against the Doctor Doom Sorcerer Supreme version of, of Doc Ock. They end up winning the fight, which is cool. And they end up, uh, you know, coming back to our reality. Uh, also, Doc takes the, um, lets the man thing go back to his own, uh, like, u- uh, universe. There we go. <laughs> and it's like a plant Spider-Man, which is really cool. So <laughs> um, I dug it. And I think it was really cool. And I, it looks like, I'm so curious to see what they're going to do here. Because it's like the Superior Four are going to be like heroes almost. Kind of, in the yeah. end. And he talks about the things they can do, like, you know, the Hulk, here's this pill can make you human. Um, Johnny, you know, or, or um, Otto Blaze um, will go to hell and retrieve your soul. And the Wolverine one was interesting. Stay in this world and you'd be a citizen of the mutant nation state of Krakoa. Yeah. I'll show you the gates. And I'm like, I just imagine him showing up being like, sup, I'm Wolverine. Sub. And being like, nope, nope. <laughs> Absolutely not. There was our like five Wolverines. We don't need another but one. But these are like the little seeds that Marvel loves to plant for like to use them later. Like, like say like a Dark Avengers, like like the, the old book. It's just like they would use maybe one of these cats as a as, as part of the team of so yeah, we'll see. I did like that bit at the end though. As like I, I thought it was uh the 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 superior Spider Man that they killed and this is the man thing like resurrected resurrect resurrecting him because they said, Oh, he's back. Like love the new the love the fresh look, Spidey. Yeah, that's what that's what I gathered too. Okay. Like, I'm just saying he's like plant like because oh, like, he, man thing. It re- it, yeah. It's a really cool suit. I actually really like this yeah. design. Yeah, it's cool. So, all right, and then finally we're gonna make a stop at Krakoa for a couple books. Sabretooth number two. Okay. Um, written by Victor Laval, art by Leonard Kirk, ra- colored by Rain Burrito, and letter by Corey Pathy. Um, so. In the last issue, Sabretooth has basically mastered the pit, and they sent five new mutants down there with him. Necra, Oya, Melter, Third Eye, and Madison Jeffries. 
and he's basically like, I'm the devil, I'm going to ruin your life. <laughs> and they're all planning like what they're going to do. Now, let me ask you this. When they're in their trial, they all have numbers over their head. Yeah. Did you figure out what those were? I didn't. It's the law they broke. Oh. Oh, that makes so much sense. Okay, perfect. So Necra and Oya both killed people. Mm-hmm. Law twos kill no man. Yeah. Madison Jeffries and Melter didn't respect the land. Law number one is make more mutants. What did Third Eye do? Did he like? Did he stop a resurrection? Did, I mean, did he stop someone from coming back from making more mutants? I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's, that's an interesting point. Of like, yeah, we're. I done. mean, I don't want to speculate wildly because there are some things that you could say that are kind of like controversial. Mm-hmm. Um, did he? Oh, fuck it, I'll just say it. Did he help someone get an abortion? (laughs) uh, That would be really weird for Marvel to address. I'll just throw that out there. Um, Did he intentionally get himself where he can't have children? I mean, like... my, My very first instinct was, what if he's gay? But then I'm like, but there's a bunch of gay X-Men. That's never been. Yeah. So I was like, then they wouldn't do that. That feels really weird. So I was trying to figure out what it would be. And I don't understand. Maybe, and I'm, The one thought I had that he had no control over, and it depends how dark they want to go with this, is what if they had the kid and it was a human? But they wouldn't punish him for that, would they? No, would it be, like, why would it be his fault to go all the way to the pit just because? No. Yeah, yeah. Well, as we discover what happened with Melter, like, it's pretty fucked. Like, he was literally just practicing his powers. Yeah. And burnt a little bit of Krakoa, and they put him in the pit for it. Like, that's fucked up. Yeah. But basically, they so they all get into a big fight, and Third Eye's just sitting there being like, you idiots. And so he basically reveals, we're in the pit. We're actually just sitting here. And he sends his projection out to find new new friends or, or like backup right and they actually went to find mole which or he went to find mole which is one of the Mor- or morlocks which i thought was a really cool mm. thing and i liked mole like trying to interact with people it's curious he went to apocalypse yeah because when was this before ten of swords i mean obviously it has to be also yeah. like the whole like like his getup is definitely like right pre ten of swords too yeah also, Storm. Storm is rocking like the old outfit too. Yeah, but it's really interesting. I'm very curious to see what's going to happen here, and what Third Eye did. Yeah, I, just, that's that's the that's the hook for me. Is I'm like, how can that law be interpreted as such a violation that he needs to go into the pit? You know. I mean, like, just like, to keep it in Krakoa, it'd be like, did he stop a resurrection protocol? Like, that's the only way I can think of it without getting too out there or borderline kind of to like go fucked up uh, covers uh, topics. But but would, but would that be kill no man? I mean, I... yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? So yeah, I'm curious. That that's my hook for this book right now mm-hmm. is I need to know what Third Eye did. Uh, I love Oya being there. She's one of Hope's lights. Okay. And they don't really use Hope's Lights very much at all anymore. And so I'm very curious to have her. Um, she was very interesting in that run. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I'm very curious to see how they use her and how she ties into or how she killed people. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to read X-Men Unlimited on the Marvel app. Oh, okay. It's kind of what's happening with Nature Girl is what I'll say. So, Ooh, okay. Yeah, it's very interesting. So, yeah. Um, really good. Anything else you want to add? Um, yeah, no, I mean, it, it was definitely, you definitely raised up all the, all the right questions here. So I'm definitely, I'm, I've just been liking this book, especially now that it's like, yeah, dude, there's no hell, king of hell. We're all just, we were just here. <laughs> like, the, the third eye was definitely a star in this book. Yeah, definitely. I really liked it. So, all right. Also, isn't it weird how comics tie together? How last year when WandaVision came out, we read the Scarlet and, and uh, Vision and Scarlet Witch mini, mm-hmm. which had Necra in it. Yeah. Randomly. And now we have her on Krakoa randomly a year later. Like, that's just really funny to me. So. All right. X-Men Legends, number 12, written by. Keith's going to say it. The greatest Marvel writer of all time, Chris Claremont. <laughs> Penciled by Scott Eaton. Inked by Lorenzo Riguero. Colored by Rochelle Rosenberg and lettered by Joe Caramagna. This is actually a really interesting time in X-Men history, and I really loved this time. So, um, I loved Excalibur. I've always loved Excalibur from the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite runs of any X-Book. And I love that they took Nightcrawler and Shadowcat over there. It was really smart of them to take two recognizable X-Men and put them in Excalibur to start with. So, people bought it, and then you can introduce all these un- unknown characters but you still got your kitty. You still got your, you know, yeah. Kurt. So that helps a lot. Um, so this is a story shortly after the X-Men are gone, presumed dead. And Kitty and Kurt are basically the only ones left and Lockheed. Cause you can't forget Law Lockheed cause he's the best. Um, and yeah, we just get this really cool, um, like story. It doesn't have a lot of weight to it in that it doesn't change anything in the past. Unlike say like the third summer brothers one did, you know? Oh Yeah. Uh, but basically, it's the two of them against the Harriers and Nightcrawler just being a badass and taking them all on by himself, um, which was really dope. All in an attempt to um, get to Forge, who Mystique is trying to kill. And uh, yeah, that's basically what happened. Not a lot really about it, but I really enjoyed it because it's Chris Claremont and I love him. Um, and it's just a lot of fun. Again, it, the highlight to me was... Kurt just systematically taking out a whole team of trained fighters Dope. was just so awesome. Like, and of course the mystique reveal, I think at this point he didn't know that was his mom. Okay. If I remember correctly. So that's why she's real mysterious. She's like, I'll do it for you. Mm-hmm. And she's like, we'll talk about it next time and stuff like that. So I thought that was really interesting. And then, yeah, I like the tease. Like I've been having dreams about Rachel. I wonder what they mean. That's how Excalibur against. Cause they go to check on her. She's already in, she's already in England. So, I really enjoyed it. We also got the reveal that this is the end of the season for X-Men Legends. Oh, okay. And starting in um, two months, they'll be back, and it'll be Roy Thomas. Yes. We'll kick off a heretofore unknown story set between his seminal X-Men runs and the landmark giant size X-Men involving Wolverine's post-Hulk pre-X-Men missions. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. Uh, This unrevealed story of the missing mutants in that time period and the secret connection between two stars of the X-Men mythos. Dave Wachter will be there to bring it to life. So it'll be Roy Thomas and Dave Wachter. Roy Thomas is one of the more important Mm -hmm. X-Men names in history. So I'm very stoked for that. So I love that this wrapped up with Claremont. That's a smart move. Yeah, that is a very smart move. That's such a cool window because it is such a weird window of like Wolverine first appearing in Hulk. And now he's one of the most popular X-Men of all time. It's got like, <laughs> wait, where's the middle part? 
Yeah, exactly. So, all right, now we're down to our last two books. Time to talk about the life and the death of Wolverine. <sighs> X lives Wolverine. We're gonna start with Fuck. lives number four. <laughs> um, so this one's written by Benjamin Percy, drawn by Joshua Kassar with Federico Vicentini, colored by Frank Martin, and lettered by Corey Petit. This is the one with Wolverine going back in time and saving people, or saving Charles Xavier specifically. And I really like this one because it kind of tied up all the efforts that Omega Red was making. Yeah. And it kind of made the point that, like, time is a rubber band and it wants to snap back into place. Mm-hmm. It wants to make sense. You know what I mean? Like, so, like, this whole thing with this kamikaze pilot failed to die honorably. So we still get Lady Deathstrike because that, that's what led to the rise of that, you know? Um, so the symbiote inside of Wolverine, because it couldn't be weaponized, they did, that's why they chose to do the adamantium, you know, like things like that. I like the Sabretooth one. When Wolverine was taken over by Omega Red and Sabretooth killed him and dragged him back for reprogramming, <laughs> inadvertently saving Charles Xavier. <laughs> and if Sabretooth knew that, he would be fucking furious. He's so pissed. <laughs> but I love that, how everything's just kind of snapping back the way it should be, you know? Yeah. And then it seems like they're losing Wolverine at the end, and instead, it's Mikhail Rasputin talking to him through Wolverine. Oh, so fucked. Yeah. And there's only one issue left for each of these. Mm-hmm. I'm very curious to see how this one ends. Which then takes us straight to next deaths of Wolverine number four. And that's written by Benjamin Percy. Art by Federico Vicentini, color by Dijon Lima, and letter by Corey Petit. This one is the one with the phalanx Wolverine that came back in time to kill Moira and everything going on there. Um, we get to see a future version of Forge give Wolverine basically a Krakoan seed that can go back in time, which then he puts it in his eye socket. <laughs> <laughs> and we get to see this really cool moment where the man that's been working with Moira, they confront him and Wolverine basically is like, you're on the wrong side of history. Let me tell you about the future. And he's, you know, he's got, he's got Akihiro. He's got scout. He's got X 23 with him. He's like, this is Dokken. He dies quickly in an energy blast from a Sentinel. This is scout. She's depowered by Nimrod and ripped in half. I'm like that motherfucker. I got so angry when I read that. Uh, this is Laura. This is Wolverine. I was like, Fuck yeah, <laughs> Yeah, torture and experimental on Sarah. Yeah, so he's like, "This is my family. Do you see them?" And he's like, "Do you see them?" Like, yeah. It's not just us; it's everybody that dies. And the guy reveals she went back to the she went back to the island. Now, I want to point out something really quick. I've been awfully forgiving of Moira. Um, I've been on her yeah, side you for have, actually. Because to be frank, Desi and Mystique are kind of bitches. True. And they kind of started this shit <laughs> by killing Moira the first time and setting her on fire. They didn't just kill her, they burned her to death. So, But what do we learn? But then Moira reaches out to her ex-lover, Banshee. Monster. And actually, I've always shipped those two way more than her and Charles, by the way. Oh. And to get back onto Krakoa, <sighs> she kills Banshee and hollows him out. Oh, yeah. So she can wear him as a banshee suit, so she'll register as a mutant. Uh, what the fuck? Dude. <laughs> That's an escalation, to say the least. Um, but she shows up. She has a big confrontation with the X-Men. She gets in Forge's little like suit of wooden armor, has a fight with Wolverine, Forge. 
they're having a big fight, and in the middle of it, Wolverine loses control and his healing factor. Uh, well, she, no, she shoots him with the gun, the depowered gun. Yeah. And his healing factor is gone, so now the phalanx thing is starting to take him over. And that's where we leave off. So these are both building really nicely. And the fact we only have one issue left is very interesting. I know. Um, what do you think? Uh, I mean, going, going back to lives really quick, uh, there's uh, I, I really loved yeah, the, the whole time sn- wanting to snap back was really well was really well done. It's like it's like oh, are they what are they are they going to re- retcon something? Are they going to like, leave something out? Like no, every, kind of, but everything's still the same. We got the same place. Yes, got there a different way. Uh, but now we can just tell two stories depending on how people want to remember it. <laughs> uh, but I, I did love the the whole symbiote part because it's like oh shit, like that was a whole Donny Cates thing with the uh, the web of venom web of venom venom. The whole like it's like the backstory of like when uh am, yeah. <laughs> when when Rex got the symbiote of like the initial original American symbiote team when they split the original Venom around this team so they wouldn't all like uh, uh, bond with it and then Wolverine gets spliced into it too so I thought that was really fucking cool I got pushed into here too um, and then Des was just like fuck just like yeah Mora if she can sur- if she survives after this she's definitely gonna be one of the best of. Mutant villains after this, like, cause damn, like, are they are they right? If they're writing her to be a villain, to be a, a mutant villain, that'd be fuck. Like in this case, this is really fucking cool. It was really good. It's dope. I love it. Like she's just so cool. She's a monster. And, yeah, she's terrible. She's awful, awful person. But she's also really effective at what she does. <laughs> like she's good <laughs> at it. And I don't, I don't feel sorry for Mystique or Destiny. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. It's when they re- introduced the whole Wolverine family and they told that perspective of it that I was able to start being like, yeah, she is actually kind of acting like a bitch now that I think about it. So uh, really interesting. Really, really digging it, though. And excited to see where this leaves us into the next age of Krakoa. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So those are all the issues. Josue? Yeah. What else have you been reading? Um, I'll tell you in a second. Uh, did you get really excited for the Thor 750 announcement? For all the all the teams coming back, specifically JMS, I did, I did, I totally forgot to mention that. Yeah, and I actually was going to mention also the preview for Moon Knight, uh, red, 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 what, red and white, whatever it is. Oh, red, white, and blood. Uh, probably another red, white, and blood. Yeah, yeah. 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 Did you see this? Did you see the, the, the with Hickman? Yeah, with the, the the yeah, I saw that one with the awesome cloak and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited for every Thor book. It's also, <laughs> Walter Simonson on the bill too. Yes. Yeah. Um, but what I have been reading, I, I I did my deep dive of the month, and I finally read my Scud Omnibus Compendium, the big uh, Scud this the disposable assassin, the whole shebang. I te- technically kind of the whole shebang, uh, and I'll elaborate in a second. But this was really fun. Uh, my history with Scud was uh, my stepdad had gotten me uh, us uh, the Scud video game to the Sega Saturn way, way long ago. And it was one of those where it's just like, maybe I shouldn't have played it so, so young. Because <laughs> it was rated T for team, but it was also very fucking dark. Um, but yeah, that's all re- That's all I knew about it. And so years later, I found out it was a comic. And then just uh, at this point, that, oh, two years ago, I finally found the, or this came out. And it's like, oh, I'll, I'm buying it, reading it. And I finally got down to it. And it's just 90s shenanigans, bullshit goodness. 
I had so much fun reading this. Uh, it, it was really fucking fun. And then just like also getting into like the history of it. Cause like there's an intro uh, with uh, Rob's better half his 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 wife and how there was like a history on like how, why, why the book kind of ended. There's like a, uh, he went through Rob, I guess went through two, ba- two ba- breakups during the making of the, the book. And on the second one, it was like a really, really bad one. Obviously before meeting uh, her and that's kind of, and he, and he kind of took it out on the book, and which is why it kind of got left off on this weird cliffhanger. Or it got, it got left in limbo in this weird cliffhanger. Or I, I get where it was then or now. And that would have been really messed up if that would have been the end of the book to just like not know what happens next. And I guess like mm-hmm. Image Image had approached him later to wanted to revamp the book. But at that point, he was like kind of ready to move forward. Just like, no, I, I, I'm ready to kind of write the ending now. And that's where like the last four came into place. And it was actually a very, a very good, uh, I actually really liked the ending. Now, why I said it's not, it's not the full shipping is because uh, apparently there's a, there's a crossover that happens. Like, I guess like a, a spinoff series happened between uh, with uh, Tony Tasty. It's like, there's like this mob uh, little family. They got their own little spinoff uh, story. And that kind of started building up. And in its height of that book back then, it, it crossed over with Scud. And I guess through licensing or, or something, uh, there's like also an info page where Rob tried to get at least that issue in here, but it, it couldn't work out. So like for, for the printing of the whole shipping. So it's not in there, but it's not, it's not now something I want to hunt down for. Uh, but apparently some of these issues kind of go for like a hundred dollars because they're like rare as fuck. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see. Um, I just want to find that, that one issue because uh, that little crossover is like obviously Scud and Scud, it paints his side or his opinions or his uh, his side of the story but on the other one there's like other details that wouldn't be that aren't on each other's story but they make all they, it kind of makes up for it so i read that i read scud i fucking loved it again really really good uh 90s just bullshit uh, i just love it to which then i i went i didn't see watch the whole thing because some of the i went back to watch uh gameplay of um the video game of the scheduling and it's like oh so i wonder how they adapted it because i remember the intro very well and i so so i, I skipped during the level bits because the game the gameplay game is just something to be much to, much to be left desired to be for uh but they actually adapted the story pretty well like it followed the pacing the chapters like there's like these like slight little changes probably just like to so they wouldn't have to like re actually tell like or put it implement it into like the levels but it followed the book really well. So it's kind of like if you were a nerd back then that was reading the book, like you would have been satisfied with what they were telling. And now I'm kind of sad that they kind of just like made the one. Like what if Scud would have been like a flagship character mascot for the Dreamcast? And it would have been kind of better. <laughs> and then Scud 2 would have been a better because it doesn't tell the whole story. Um, so Scud 2 could have had the, sec- the other part of the book and a better game or an open shooter, whatever the fuck. Uh Really good. Um, if y'all ever been uh, curious on Scud, the disposable assassin, it's definitely worth the read. Nice. Also, because like All he's right. sorry, because he's really good friend with Dan Harmon, and Dan Harmon has is built on a lot of the issues that he co-wrote with him. Oh, gotcha. That's cool. All right. Well, I got a couple things. Uh, we got some Kickstarter emails back, so I got some digital copies yes. of books I read. Um, I got Sparrow Number One. Okay. Um, which was actually really good. Um, I'm, and hopefully we'll read all the digital copies once I get them all over to him. Because we're going to do a special episode probably about Kickstarter soon. Yes. So. Uh, next up, I got... It's a, actually a D20 gaming manual uh, for uh, Aurora Boros, which is a, 
a new D&D setting, basically, by Warchief Gaming. Really cool. I really enjoy it. Not a lot to talk about because it's a D&D setting. Mm-hmm. It's not like there's a like, huge plot I need to talk about. But the last one I got was Smokeweed See the Future. Oh, oh nice. And so I was able to read that. Um, I'm going to reach out to Pat and ask him his definitive reading order. Ooh, that'd be nice. So you don't get spoiled and I can catch you up. <laughs> okay. So also I should be getting volumes four and five relatively soon. Nice. So I'm very excited. So the only other thing I read was a book called age of ash by Daniel Abraham. This is one half of the guys that wrote the expanse novels. Mm-hmm. And I showed you this last week with the, the cool city. Oh yes. Yes. About halfway. You can kind of see my mark there. <laughs> cool. Yes, I'm a corner folder. Um, <laughs> so I really like it. Um, it has a unique point of view system. And I've been trying to describe it to Liz. And the best way I can figure out to describe it is I call it like orbital POV. In that you got the main character. Her name is Alice, right? She gets a lot of point of view chapters because the story is about her. Mm-hmm. Lots of other characters get point of view chapters, but only while they're in her orbit. So, like, her best friend gets several. There's one guy that gets two pages because he's literally only important for two pages. Mm -hmm. But when characters are in appointment, we get a point of view, and their point of view builds a little bit of the lore of the city, and then they're gone. So it's literally like she is, like, I use orbital because she's literally something hurtling through space, and if something just passes by, we get a quick, quick glimpse of it. If it gets caught in her orbit, maybe we see it come back, maybe a little bit more. But it's only important while it's near her. That's interesting. That's actually really cool. Yeah. And so, like, you get to know these random characters, again, for, like, a page or two. And all they do is they tell you their life story, what basically how they're born, how they're living, how they're probably going to die. Like, they don't tell you how they're going to die. But, you know, basically life in this city is not great. Yeah. That's basically what it is. So, like, this dude, he's a failed guardsman, and now he works as a laborer, and he's the new guy. So he has to stay after and sweep up after all the others go drinking. That's his whole story. That's probably going to be his whole story his whole life. And you get a little little thing with him, but just little bits of lore for the city are peppered in. So it's not just a waste of time. You're learning and slowly building the city brick by brick while you're doing it. I love it. It's <laughs> nice. Weird. And it's it's really grim and weird. And I think, like, I really dig it. Um, it's going to be a trilogy. This is the first one. It just came out. So unfortunately, I have a wait, while to wait for book two. But I'm going to finish... And I'm going to give it to Liz and she'll read it as well because I know she will. And it's, I highly recommend it though. Age of Ash by Daniel Abraham. Very, very good. Nice. And if I remember correctly, he's the one that used to work with George R. R. Martin. Ooh, cool. I think he was his assistant. So just to give you an idea, it's basically if King's Landing had a book. It's <laughs> nice. just fantastic. So, uh, but yeah, that's mostly what I've been reading. Uh, anything else you want to go before we move on? Um, no, no, that was all, that was all my reads. Awesome. All right, everybody. Well, those are the issues that we had this week. Make sure to check us out on Twitter. So for our show, you can check us out at WHI Podcast on Twitter. You can check me out at WHI Podcast Keith, Liz at WHA Podcast Liz, and Josue at Josue Reads Josue. You can also check Josue out on Twitch at Josue Plays Josue. Um, you can check out our other show, Jukebox Vertigo, at Jukebox Vertigo on Twitter. That's a bi-weekly show where we build a ever-growing playlist using randomized categories. Our most recent 
episode that went up was Funeral Picks. <laughs> and it was with our friends Nico and Liza and had quite a, a bit of fun. Well, not fun's not the good word, <laughs> but, you know, we enjoyed it. We enjoyed each other's company. Um, and that was that was really good. Our next episode is going to be single name artists. So this isn't like Nirvana or Metallica, even though that's a single name. We're talking Prince. Yes. We're talking Madonna. We're talking Seal. Adele. Lord. <laughs> so only those. And I'm very excited about doing this. Now, it, I would like to clarify, if they're a member of a band, but they only have one name, that's fine by me. Okay. So if someone wants to use U2 because of Bono, I'm fine with that. Oh, okay. That's the way he's built. So, Yeah. And I'm very excited because it's one of the more it's one of the harder categories, and occasionally we get one of these hard categories where we got to sit down and think. Right. So I really like that. So, uh, but you can check that out at Jukebox Vertigo, and the show always comes out first thing in the morning on a Monday. Jukebox Vertigo does. Check out Josue on Twitch that evening as he adds them to the playlist and gives his quick review of them. Make sure to watch it live because it tends to get muted. <laughs> so I've not um, worked that part out yet. <laughs> Yeah, it tends to get muted because of the song. Um, so, yeah, make sure to watch it live if you want his opinions. I was really glad that Jazz Party was not muted because I wanted to hear your opinion of it. So nice. I went back and listened to the episode. Um, but, yeah, uh, really cool. And it's a fun way to kind of like make uh, for me to make sure Hosui listens to things actually. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> not to get you to listen to my stuff. <laughs> I do a lot. I put the, <laughs> dude, I put our playlist on all the time. So, nice. uh, but yeah, that's it for us this week. Don't forget to backboard and box your new treasures, and we'll see you next week with a new batch of beautiful books. Stay safe and read more comics. Mm-hmm.